This is exactly right. Listen, we're all SVU fans. We love a family drama. We love a mystery to solve. And you got to get hooked into a story with the details. You need the visuals. You need the storylines with the twists and the turns. And that is what June's Journey has and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young girl on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murderer. Dun, 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 dun. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. The game is filled with all these beautiful detailed scenes from the 20s, like lavish estates and gardens. And of course, little hidden clues are everywhere. There's twists, turns, catchy tunes. It all takes you deep deeper into this storyline. And if you play well enough, you can make it into the detective club. And there you can chat with other players and even compete with or against them, which is pretty exciting. And you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed. And can you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. Okay, love that. And guess what? It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Of the Law & Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable. We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Dun-dun! Hello and welcome to That's Messed Up, a Law & Order SVU podcast. My name is Kara Clank. And I am Lisa Traeger. Hello. We are going to talk about an amazing episode of SVU, the true crime it's based on, and then talk to an incredible guest, as always. Um, And now we we just have a lot to catch up on. Yes. There's so much happening. And I want to really quickly touch on... You know, every here and there, we really strike a chord with you guys, the listeners. And I feel we did that last week when Lisa mentioned not wanting to try mayo on a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. And you guys have let us know your thoughts. We're getting a lot of messages about pro-mayo, pro-aioli, either garlic or lemon. People are talking about a sprinkle of Cholula with the mayo. We're getting a lot. We're just getting a lot of feedback. And I'm open to it. Yeah, and um, a lot of people were talking about the texture, and creaminess is never something that I'm against, you know? Mm. When someone says, oh, this is creamy, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm willing to try it. I am having a problem, and we'll catch up on Detroit all around. So many great things to say. (laughs) But I'm hanging in the hotel, and suddenly my elbows feel, like both elbows have red, painful bumps. Like, so painful. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening to me? Obviously allergic react. Like, what is it? So I start Googling and that, which is never good. But the only thing that it looked like was the internet said gluten intolerance. (gasps) And so I'm devastated. So I, you know, I'm not that sure. So the past like few days I've been trying to not do gluten, but I can't see my future without it. So I don't know what to do, but the bumps did go away. But how did this happen out of nowhere? You eat gluten all the time. I know. So I texted Sam, our friend who has a gluten intolerance and her, like I've gone out to eat with her because I know sometimes people don't believe it. And we were out to eat and they wouldn't, they gave her the wrong pasta and her hands became red, painful and giant. (gasps) 
That's why, like, when people I see online are like, oh, yeah, when people order soy milk, I just give them the regular shut up health nut. And it's yeah. like, no, 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 people could die. And so they didn't believe her. And then afterwards, they're like, we can give you free champagne. She goes, my hands are red like, and swollen. <laughs> so I texted her um, asking, like, did you always have this? Like, what's going on? And she goes, no, it honestly came out of nowhere. <gasps> And she goes, and then I took it out and like it immediately changed. And I do have like bumps on my shoulder, upper arms. And that is like a side effect, but it's always been worth it to me. And now I don't know what to do, but like, obviously I want to go get an egg and cheese from Christie's right now on a croissant with mayo and go to your house. Like that is my my passion. And now I'm like Googling gluten-free candies and cereal. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I think it's worth trying. But the bumps, but then the other thing was it could have been a high sodium intake because I did have Taco Bell three days in a row. So I'm hoping (laughs) maybe it's that. (laughs) And then I got my period. Why do I get my period every month and never remember? I'm always like, why am I binging? Why am I sad? I want to jump out the window and then I bleed. And I'm like, oh, okay. I wish I remembered. This might sound obvious, but have you ever tried, have you ever thought about getting an app? Where it, like, will tell you, like, hey, guess what? Heads up, four days, you're going to have a little bit of a, a, a thing. No, I don't want... I My phone knows a lot about me. It's enough. <laughs> it's enough. It doesn't need to know when I'm bleeding. Um, no, I may be an app. I don't know. I just get so... Because we were we had plans, and I was like, I'm not feeling yeah, social. You, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> you did like, a back out period, um, which is fine. I always understand that. Um Wait, but what do you do? Can you go to a doctor to get tested for that? Or do you just do elimination diet and see what happens? I'm just going to take it. Well, the bumps did go away. So I'm just trying to be more cognizant where maybe if I cut it out 80%, it'll help. You know what I mean? What do like these bumps look like? I'm fascinated by this. Well, I'll show you the Google because then someone was like, maybe you have gout. And I was like, fuck you. Um, gout is like usually up. around your feet, isn't it? It's a weird elbow. Like, I looked up all the other elbow issues, and they're way different. Like, they're not what it is. I have a doctor's appointment today because I also have shooting pains in my right knee for two, three weeks now. Jeez. Like, they started on the 27th of December. So now I haven't been able to, like, really walk. I don't know. But also, my friend said I'm a hypochondriac when I'm stressed, but I don't feel stressed. These are the things that are stressing me out. You do have a lot going on. So sometimes we're stressed when we don't know it. But my goal for 2022 is to be more busy. Okay. You know, so the spectrum, to. we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> the goal is not to have like a stress-induced yeah. fucking <laughs> mental breakdown and physical my breakdown. My goal is not to watch television 10 hours a day. That is my <laughs> number one goal for this year. I think but you like, can wait. do it. I did um, already tell Kara this because it was too exciting, but this will be news to Annalise and to all of you. But um, I had a great time in Detroit. Thanks, everyone, for coming out and bringing me weed and hanging out and taking shots of Fireball um, and chatting. And our listeners are so cool. We have lawyers. We have someone that's selling private jets. We have ceramics gals. Like, we just have really parole officers. We have, like, very amazing uh, people listening to the show. And I was told, you guys will be happy to know, that you are amazing tippers. I was told Ah. that... The people that came to Love my show to were incredible tippers. So that may, I can't, I don't, can't imagine a, a better compliment. I think, yeah, you definitely give out a vibe that you care about, about food service and service industry people. And so if someone's a fan of yours, I think that that resonates with them. 
Yeah, it was exciting. Um, not to single you out. I hope I have the. I hope I give out the yeah. same vibe. <laughs> like I tip, I'll always tip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, so it was good, and it was a cold venue the first night. The heat wasn't working. People sat in coats, had Damn. a good time, risked COVID and all. Um, so. It was just like, I loved meeting everybody. It was really, really exciting. I'm sorry I picked the worst lighting for all of our photos. I just get so uncomfortable. (laughs) And I'm like, this looks good. And it's this dark, dim corner. And then one person was like, can we just go here where the light is shining? (laughs) (laughs) Good one. Oh, yeah. An interior designer. We just have like very cool, educated. No, I'm always surprised. Like we just literally did. So we just did the Tale of Two Victims last week. And we got a bunch of people that are like barristers or solicitors and stuff in Ireland that were like, yeah, unfortunately, the fucking like uh, sentence for rape here is really low. And it's like, you know, and we were just getting a lot of international lawyers. And I was like, damn, I love this audience. Wow, I didn't know that. Oh, and then the funniest thing, and I showed you the photo, uh, one girl I met was like, I haven't watched Yellow Jackets, but um, someone keeps telling me I look like one of the characters and I burst into laughter (laughs) because it's clearly Misty and her friends are shady, shady bitches. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's not a sociopath. I think if you have blonde, curly hair, yeah. you're going to get some Misty in your life right and now. And glasses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then I got a DM that said, whoa, I thought that was Misty for a second because she posted a photo of us. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, girl, you are Misty. Um, without without the killing. But yeah. we're well, not killing. Without the... We don't know. Us. I don't know yet what Misty We don't know either. I'm not giving of. anything away. Yeah. This was not a spoiler. I misspoke. But sorry, she's a sociopath. Yeah. So when this episode comes out, the finale of Yellow Jackets will just have come out. But we are in the time machine a little bit. We haven't seen the end yet. And I'm actually two episodes behind. So I'm going to be caught up by the finale and I'm excited to watch it with the world. Yeah, so I guess if you care about spoiler or whatever, next week we will be discussing Yellow Jackets and the ending and stuff. So you're going to have to fast forward or whatever. I think you told me this, but I think you told me this before I knew who everybody was on Yellow Jackets, but I did look up the woman who plays Thaisa and she obviously has been on SVU. So we yeah. will check out her. We will check out her episode and see if it's based on anything. And maybe she'll ride the press of Yellow Jackets right into our little Zoom session. I mean, they're going to be the most in demand women in Hollywood. I mean, <laughs> those young actresses. I have. Ne- I can't speak because maybe I'm not remembering, but I have not been this blown away from a young, like to me, unknown cast in a long time. I am just like. I think the girl that plays are the young Misty is so freaking good. Yeah, all of them. They're so and good. young Nat. Natalie, Sean, yeah. like there are these moments where they react, like their grief and horror and like secret keep. I don't know. It's just such yeah. Cool and Shauna specifically, I don't. I, I see the look. I do think the nose is a little different when she gets older, which obviously anyone can get a nose job. But she seems like she really studied Melanie Linsky's like way of talking because she has a way where I'll be like, oh, that's so Melanie. Like you're you are young Melanie Linsky. Like in this moment, like she really does. Well, that's how I feel with Natalie, young yes, Natalie. She her nails voice Juliet Lewis does a Juliet Lewis register that is special. And I have to say, I said this out loud to my husband last night. Love Julia Lewis for many years. Obviously, she's extremely talented. In the last few, like, projects she's done, I feel like it's kind of one note. She's always kind of like the mess character or whatever. I think she's so excellent in this series. Like, she has all these little twitchy facial movements that are so small and, like, 
really, really, like, she's just so good. Like, she's, I'm living for her performance in this show. Well, yeah, and it's hard work because, like I said, I watched that panel where she was kind of standoffish and didn't want to be there. And a big thing, she's like, yeah, my character's horrible. It sucks. Like, not horrible as in bad, but it's like, yeah, it seems tough to be playing a grief-ridden Not, like, a little bit of a nihilist. Like, she's kind of like, fuck everything, right? Like... But not really. She cares about the people yes, she cares that's about. Her I mean, outward, her outward thing is like, I don't care, get away from me, whatever. But yeah. then obviously deep down, she has a soul. Yeah, because a lot of the stuff I read, they say that she actually has the most unshifting morals and ideals of everyone else. Yeah. Um, and she's the least, like... I don't know. It's like, it's hard to even talk about it, but we got an article from the New Yorker. We got a Lottie interview. I mean, there's so much, but you know, I'm in a group chat with a few friends about Yellow Jackets and one of them is Julia, but for I haven't talked to her in like five or six days and we finally FaceTime yesterday and I go, wait, so have you been watching Yellow Jackets? And she goes, I'm in the group chat. We've (laughs) literally been texting about it the whole time. And I go, I totally fucking forgot. I'm like, I just thought I didn't <laughs> talk to you in forever, but I guess all we want to talk about is yellow jackets. Yeah. I mean, I'm sick. It's all I could talk about on flights with hotel staff, like you, anywhere you, I yeah, go. You get obsessive, but that's fine. I know. Well, speaking of, we should talk about drag race, but also I don't know if I'm reading into it, but I do think my Lyft driver to the Detroit airport could have been a pedophile, but I don't know. Okay. Do you, do you want to elaborate? He, he, So his car was very messy, uh, but he mentioned that he was watching... We had a great conversation, but he mentioned that he watched, like, Ariana Grande's Disney Channel shows, like, when she was very young, or Nickelodeon, whatever. And I went, oh, do you have children? And he goes, no. Why are you watching shows about young teen girls? You're in your 40s or 50s. Like, that's strange to me. Oh, he was... And I was like, oh, you don't have kids. Interesting. So you just love Ariana Grande. What's up? And he goes, yeah, I think she's cool. And it's like, okay, you're obviously a pedophile. And then later he talked about being a male feminist, how he respects women because women give life. And I was like, okay. And he he did like a five to 10 minute monologue about how, why he respects women. Okay. Um, which I was okay with, but then he said how close he is with his nieces and how he practically raises them and sees them all the time. I just, I don't know. I was like, I don't trust you and I think you're a pedophile. Is she? Is he watching Ariana with his nieces? Is there a possibility but he didn't, there? But he didn't say that. Yeah. Is he from another country? No. I was going to say maybe he's learning English from the Disney Channel. That's possible. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's fucked up. You can't just, you can't just go, like, even if I called the authorities, I'd be like, I don't know. He said he watches this weird show, so I assume he's a pedophile. (laughs) Like, you can't do that. Yeah, that's not exactly under the see something, say something rule book, I don't think. (laughs) No, but I was reading a BuzzFeed list and it it said something like, it was a list of people talking about, like, when their gut Right, the time you know? their gut saved them from something. Yeah, yes. so a part of me was like, is this my moment? Like, when do you not listen? And when do you, when are you just warped because we do a crime podcast? You yes. know, like, when are you just mentally unwell because you're <laughs> researching horrific crimes nonstop? Yeah, for sure. Oh, I also, oh, this is another thing. Um, I, You know, I got tattooed by someone I'd wanted to get tattooed by forever. I did tell I them saw to you walk- got two. I did. I was like, I don't, I know you're, you know, here on a trip and like, you don't have a lot of time. If it's inappropriate, it's fine. But can I please have this little duck? And she goes, you can definitely have this duck. (laughs) But it is weird to meet someone that you've stalked on Instagram for years. Yeah. 
because you build up this, like suddenly you hear this ax and they're talking and you're like, I was not, I didn't know how to behave. It was strange. Oh, that's interesting. So this tattoo girl is on her own Instagram a lot because like, you know how there's another Kara Clank who's a tattoo artist? Yeah. She doesn't put her face on it at all. It's just her tattoos. So I don't even well, know what she looks like. So this tattoo artist is very hot. She's on OnlyFans gotcha. as well. Okay. Um, and she does like latex bondage. She's a goth. Mm-hmm. And so she does a lot of photo shoots and like, um, I think her hotness is a part of the Instagram following. I bought a video of her getting her butthole tattooed. It's like another oh, level of life. Okay. It's okay. like a different. Okay. So it's not just, she's not just posting tattoos. Sure. She's posting herself she's, in like She's selling things. herself as a full brand, not just like, here's what I can do to your, for your tattoo. Yeah. So I, just a quick side note, but have you listened to the Trixie and Katya podcast where they talk of to course. Alexis Stone? Oh, wait, no. Who's Alexis Stone? It's the newest episode. It's the newest episode. And they talk to Alexis Stone. I didn't know anything about this. So Alexis Stone is like a drag artist. Like, she doesn't actually perform drag. Like, she's never done a lip sync. She won't, like, collect dollar bills at a club. But she's more of, like, an influencer, drag artist, illusion artist, kind of, because she's this makeup artist that can turn her face into Kim Kardashian. She can turn her face into you. Honestly, she did drag of... Boy Trixie. She turned her face into Boy Trixie. She just knows how to paint anyone's face onto her own face. Like, it's very, very interesting. But she did this thing. You should all go listen to the episode. First of all, Trixie and Katya are going to end their podcast soon, which is breaking my fucking heart. Yeah, why? It brings I don't me get it. It's so an hour much of time. joy. I think it's just Katya being like, leave me alone. Uh, yeah, I think maybe she's like, I don't really need this, even though it's like easy money, but I love it so much. I might go back and listen to it from the beginning, which I will never do with a podcast, but I just- You know well, people I do it to bit. ours. Ah! Well, yeah, thank you. Um, uh, Misty from Detroit, <laughs> she said that when she has to like do paperwork for her job, she like re-listens. I love it. I love it. I just like, for me, I have, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a it's re-listener wild. or a Even re-watcher. when people are at the comedy show, I go, who are you? Why are you here? <laughs> you know? And it's all I've ever wanted to do and I'm always confused. But yeah. Anyway, this episode's super interesting because this this person, Alexis Stone, she, um, I don't know. I don't know if, he, if they're he or she because it is, she is a drag artist. Yeah. But like, he is like, I'm a man very much like definitively. He did this thing where he documented that he was going to get plastic surgery. He didn't get plastic surgery. He got a full prosthetic of botched plastic surgery made by a movie special effects artist. And then he wore it for months and months where anytime he appeared in public, he wore these prosthetics. So everybody thought he had a full botched surgery where he looked like Jocelyn Wildenstein from like the cat lady from New York. And that was his his point. And then one day he just, on New Year's Eve, he just ripped the face off. It's fucking wild. I didn't know anything about this drag artist because he's from the UK, currently in LA at the moment. But I just thought it was very interesting. And No, I'm really sad. They keep talking about how they're ending the podcast. And I'm just like, but who else is going to talk about fucking themselves with frozen shit? Like, I know. I don't, like, I need them. They just have, there's a reason that they're touring together, have multiple television shows together. Their yeah. chemistry is unbeatable. They're so fucking funny. So listen to the pod. That's an un, that's an un, we're not being paid to, to you know, put that out there. Well, let's talk Drag Race before we get into SVO. I was a little underwhelmed by the premiere. I like a few people. I thought a couple people came in with looks that were just not up to par, but 
then I kind of understood them a little bit later as we went into the show. Well, you're obviously talking about Willow Pill. Yes, Willow Pill. I was like, this is. Not, but also, I also thought June Jambalaya's entry look was not good enough. No, and the like. I watched the pit stop, and Monet and Trinity were saying like, okay, if your headband's falling. Throw it down and make it a necklace. Yeah. Make it a choker. Pull it up. Put it part of the show. Like, you are not... That's drag. Yeah. It's the Kylie Sonique of it all. You're falling, but you're doing a forward roll. Yeah. I mean, I just hate to say season 14, it's like it's all the details. You just got to do the details. That said, looking at Willow Pill, like, I do get what she was doing when we went back. I guess when they went back and were like, oh, she's kind of trying to be trash. Well, yeah, it's Adore Delano to me. Yeah. So I like that. Yes. I don't think you need to be like full on pageant to be respected, but I'm also not a drug queen. Like, I, I, I'm like just a fan of the show. Um, so I'm not, but I was not into the burlesque dance. That was, like, I look, bad I thought that was me. weird as fuck. And I thought, hey, do you mean the burlesque dance that she, that, that Willow Pill did? No, Bimbo. What's the oh, other one? Oh, you mean Bosco. Bosco. Bosco's burlesque was, I didn't get Willow Pills at all, but like RuPaul was like, I get it. Conceptual. This reminds me of the 50s. And I was like, okay, bitch. Yeah, because it was just like also just doing something very different, like that hasn't been done. And that's really hard on Drag Race. And I think she did that. And it was totally weird and crazy, but I, I started out being like, this bitch is gone. And now I'm like, I think Willow Pill's gonna stay around. And you know why I know Willow Pill's gonna stay around is because when RuPaul gives you a little nickname, she likes you and you're staying around for a while. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's yeah. going home first when RuPaul's like, Ken- LaGuardia, Newark, Kennedy. You're not going home first. You know, like she has I- a nickname. Winters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she likes Willow Pill a lot. That's barely a pun. Widow Pill or whatever she's calling her is barely a pun on her name. She's making it work. It's like, on my, on the season I worked on, she loved Heidi in Closet, called her 10 nicknames. That woman stayed around, you know? Yeah, and I think Lizzo's an incredible judge and she so looks good. fantastic. Um, and this is straight out from uh, Monet and Trinity on Pit Stop. Not an original saying, but I'd like to say this is cornbreads to lose. Yes. Is basically, and I agree, this is yeah. cornbreads to lose. Yeah, but you know what? I will say... Cornbread had an intro the way Silky Nutmeg Ganache had an intro. Everybody was like, oh my God, living. She's so funny. Oh, amazing. And then within a few episodes, she started to annoy people. So you, we'll, let's see what happens. I think Cornbread's a fucking star. But yeah. she also had an intro that was a lot like um, Simone, where it was like, hi, you're a star. You're unbeatable. Like immediately the critiques were like, you're, you're great. Except Michelle, you know, who had like problems. But, um, yeah, I started following Cornbread Lover. I like Carrie, um, uh, I want to say Carrie Hilson because she's so beautiful. What, Carrie, um, the, the, Alec- the, what is it? Alexia, yeah, yeah. Oh, we have to start the show. Yeah, we, we gotta, gotta start. Sorry. Well, it's interesting. The girls that I met in Detroit are all like, we love the long ones. The longer, the better. We need them longer. And I'm like, you guys can't tell us that. <laughs> We're... <laughs> We're two chatty uh, Juvers. Annalise, our ready. sound engineer, is like, I already spend my life uh, editing these girls down to something listenable. So please don't make it any longer than necessary. Oh, but I was going to say with the Instagram, it's like, it's so mental because, um, you know, I'm getting tattooed and the tattoo artist partner walks in. 
And they're like, hey, I'm yada yada. And I go, I know exactly who you are. I know what you've done for Christmas. I know that you're here. And then she, and then I was like, what have you done in LA? I know the whole time. Yeah. I know the whole time what you've been it doing. It would be I like if you met Mari too and you'd be like, you got married? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, she is starting a podcast and I'm like, I'm a little annoyed. Well, you, she's, what, she's coming for your gig or you think it's going to be bad? What what do you have to say for hours on it? I don't know. I'm just like because I watch every one of her YouTube videos, every TikTok, every reel. I watch everything and it's the same stuff over and over. It's yeah. what I eat in a day. But we just it's soothing to me. But maybe we talk about the same things all the time. It's like, oh yeah, great. Another rapist. Cool. <laughs> We're like, yeah, and everybody's trash. Um by the way, I was saying Carrie Colby. Don't message me. That's who I was talking about, Carrie Colby. I thought she was fun. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see who they do no, next week. I'm excited week. to have it. was it. just like a very, it was obviously their number one rated. They keep getting so lucky with the pandemic. Like every time the show is premiering, it's like everyone's on lockdown. So they just got their highest rating since like 2018 or something like that for their premiere. I just thought that um, there would be something a little bit different, but it was basically the way they start in All Stars, which is like, contestants, and there was no game within a game. There was no extra weird shit, which I do kind of like. I think they maybe need to step back from a little bit of that, but I was, I don't know. I thought maybe there'd be something, uh, a twist, but. Well, I, and I also, the queen that went home, I liked her outfit. I liked her runway a lot. She just bombed, she just bombed in terms of her sketch and her entrance, but. Yes. I like her aesthetic. Yeah. I thought, oh, yeah, I'm trying to think it was um, Orion Star. Three boobs. Yeah, Orion yeah, yeah, Story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, someone's got to go home first. They all they all start to make money. It's fine. I'm sure people are going to, like, want to see Orion Story um, live. And um, I'm sorry, I have not watched The Insurrection yet. I'm not in the mood. I'm busy. It's not an insurrection. I don't know why they're really calling it the January 6th episode. <laughs> it is because there is like a person that's like, they're trying to replace us. But like, that's not, it doesn't end up being like a storming of a Capitol or anything like that. It's sort of a bunch of hate crimes happening around New York. Well, and what you guys probably realize about us is like, I'm also, I've been binge watching older seasons, finding patterns for the next episode chunk yeah. that we have to do. You know, if it's you're like, if you're listening to this podcast because you constantly want an, like an update of what just happened, that's, you know, you probably know I don't right think now. That's, that's what they not want. That's not. Yeah. Uh, it's really wild, but I think they like us. Listen, they like hearing <laughs> us chat <laughs> about murder. All right, let's go. <laughs> let's, let's get go. going because we have a lot of murder chatting uh, coming up. Right, we are doing Blood Brothers, okay? Season 13, episode three. Um, so this is thrilling. We open up on a Catholic school church play. Um, and it's like a play with lessons. You know, I'm sure we're familiar. Did you have this at school? Because I didn't see one of these until no. college. In my freshman orientation, there was like a thing about sexual um, consent. With, and we would call it the, we were like, oh, that guy was in the rape play. Like, <laughs> like because it was like so uncomfortable to just be like at the very beginning of school, you don't know anyone around you and you're just like watching this weird play about consent. Yeah, I feel like there's a move. I mean, obviously there's a Simpsons episode with fire safety and Ned Flanders, but I feel like there's a movie where it's like you think it's a drunk driving accident, but it is a play. Or is it an SVU episode? It might be an SVU episode. <laughs> where you think it's a drunk driving thing, but whatever. We're at a Catholic school church. It is season 13. I'm sure Stabler is so sad he cannot 
be a part of this episode. <laughs> um, and so one of the actor teens is pressuring the other one into fucking and drinking and like, come on, I like you. It's that kind of stuff. But it cuts away to a young girl who's visibly in pain. Um, and a few rows back, there's a young boy who's watching her and seems very concerned. And they're all in baby blue polos. Um, and then the girl falls to the ground and the boy runs to her yelling her name, Ella, Ella. And then it's like, call 911. And then an annoying-looking nun faculty member runs over and asks Arturo, what's up? We call for help. We cut to the precinct. Yeah, but she goes, Arturo, how did this happen? How the fuck is Arturo supposed to know? She just collapsed into the aisle. I don't know why she's being so accusatory. And she causes problems later. I don't like her haircut. She is an enemy of the people in this podcast, and I don't care. Um, so Cragen introduces this monsignor of blessed savior to Benson and Amaro. But um, Amaro actually knows the monsignor. So we're learning. And this is Amaro's first season. He's only been on a little bit. Like this is very fresh Amaro. Yeah. And um, I'm sure, I'm sure um, a lot of you like were like, I'm not watching anymore. And so these episodes might be kind of fresh for you as people that were Maloney stands and gave yes, up. Yes, that maybe quit after season or, 12. Yeah, You yeah, know, yeah. so it's an interesting time in the show's history. Um, so the scoop is from uh, the school is that there's a pregnant 13-year-old. We're assuming that's Ella, obviously. So Cragen sends uh, Benson to go to the Child Advocacy Center to talk to Ella, because Ella's over there, um, the school center away. And Benson wants to go be, you know, boss boss lady. And Cragen's like, nah, take a morrow. And Benson's like, eh, do we really need him? I don't think so. And she's putting on the tiniest jacket I've ever seen. It looks like a shrug. Uh, it's... <laughs> I, I don't understand how she even got into it. It looked like a very tiny, tiny, tiny jacket. Uh, but Cragen's like, um, actually, Amaro speaks Spanish, and Ella lives with her Puerto Rican grandma. So he's going with you. So he's fresh. Benson doesn't want to hang out with a rookie. But to me, I'm like, he's fucking hot. Like, wouldn't Benson be like, you know what? Amaro, come with me. Yeah. Like, I don't get You're it. You're easy on the eyes. Come on. Come on along. I just don't get why you would reject hanging out with a... I mean, his personality does suck for a long time, but whatever. I just am like, who cares, Benson? It, there's just so many things of SVU that's... Well, Benson's also happening. probably still like, nobody can fill Maloney's shoes. So it could be a little Ooh, of that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. She's bitter. So our girl Casey Novak is doing a walk and talk at the center with Benson and Amaro. Um, and there's no rip time in her trauma. Um, and she won't say who the father is. So this is going to be a tough case for us. But also, Dad's a 13-year-old pregnant person. We, like, know that <laughs> this will be tough. Yeah. Amaro steps up and is like, besides Spanish, abuelitas love me. <laughs> um, which is true. He's hot. Like, of course. So he goes over to win them over and get scoop and the grandma opens up everything. Um, she's just like, Ella's mother died when Ella was five. She said her daughter was wild and pregnant at 15. And she was always like, don't be your mother. Don't be like your mother. Don't be like your mother. Wait for her prince. Um, which, you know, we're obviously not into that kind of education for children. Yes. Ella and Benson are just about the prince thing, you know. Create a life for yourself, but be treated <laughs> well. Yeah, don't you do the joke? Or who has the joke where it's like princesses aren't treated great? No, I have a full <laughs> yes, uh, it's you. twenty minute presentation about how princesses yes, have horrible lives. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Ella and Benson are chatting, and she says that she didn't have sex, 
and she doesn't want to answer. And Benson's like, okay, come on, come on, come on, come on, you know, some nudging magic. And Ella says that her grandma filled her in on sex. She knows how babies are made and she knows how she got this baby, but nobody will believe her. And Benson's like, if somebody hurts you, they will never be able to hurt you again. Just tell me. And she goes, it's actually God. She's like, I didn't have sex. This baby is a miracle. Credits. <laughs> Mary, the second coming. Well, to me, it's like, how often do people use this excuse? I wonder. Um, but also, if you're super religious, don't you kind of just have to believe it? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. But also, it's like, when you say there's no torn hymen and stuff, people are probably like, I don't know, is it? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I just feel like if you believe in God, why wouldn't you believe it if it happens now? Yeah, if you believe it happened 2,000 years ago, why couldn't it happen now? Yeah, if you're using those old rules to, like, discriminate and hate people, like, why wouldn't you use them to be like, I guess this kid has the body of Christ in her? <laughs> but how often is this? I just want to know how often this lie is happening, you know? Yeah. We're back at the squad room, okay? We're back for a usual group brainstorming session. It is a group project and everybody is involved. It is confirmed she's eight weeks pregnant and Amaro is like, oh, even with an intact hymen? And they go, yeah, it happens all the time, okay? Health class. Yeah. Uh, Benson's <laughs> like, it's not that unusual. But I like that. He's not judgmental. He's asking and he's willing to learn. Not We can't say that for all the men that come in new to the squad. Yeah, 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 for sure. Ice drops a cold hard fact and says it must be someone she knows. So maybe it's the school. Amaro stands the Monsignor and he's like, nah, nah, nah. It's not him. But Munch is like, okay, let's maybe check out what's happening. Like, please. <laughs> so then, uh, you know, Cragen's like, Munch, you go investigate. And he's pissed off. He's like, why do I always get the priests? <laughs> but I think it's because he can't be manipulated. You know what I mean? Like, um, if the, one yeah. of these Catholic church lovers goes, they yeah, might. he's non-religious. So yeah. that's why you always get the priest, because you're a priest hater. Um, Rollins has a good question. She says, what adult males are in her life? Um, so it's like, this is like a, I'm, I feel like I'm doing a sports play-by-play. -play. Um, no <laughs> obvious men come to mind, but they're obviously going to go harass her friends and see what secrets Ella has told them. They go to the park to talk to baby daddy, and he says that he sends a check every month and the grandma is lying if she says otherwise. And he's pushing this other kid in the swing, and Finn and Rollins are like, well, when was the last time you saw your daughter? And he refers to her as the girl. So, obviously, they don't have a great relationship. Um, this is Ella's dad. Ella's dad, yeah. Yeah, baby daddy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. you mean the rape? Yeah, I, okay. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure there wasn't confusion because we don't know who the baby, we don't know who the baby baby daddy is yet. <laughs> this is Ella's biological father. He's at a swing set with another kid in um, like getting pushed on the swings. So it's kind of like, what made you want to keep this child and be involved, but not yeah. that one? If you love this kid, how do you, how are you so detached from this other one? I don't really understand how parenthood works in that regard. So he says that he saw Ella for the last time five months ago. And they have a back and forth because the dent the detectives want him to care more about this daughter being pregnant. And he's like, I barely know her. The grandma ne let, never let it go that I knocked up her daughter. So I don't know what you want from me. So we get a picture. The dad is not involved, hasn't seen her, probably not the rapist of Ella. So we cut to the school and we're talking to the sister nun from up top that I didn't really like. And um, she is a dumb bitch and is not good at fashion. So... <laughs> 
We, uh, she does, this, I mean, you'll hate her too. So she goes, we try to keep them innocent, but we're losing them to the Kardashians and Lady Gaga. And it's like, excuse me? How is Lady Gaga a bad influence on anybody? Yeah. This person that's so creative, plays the piano, sings, fashion. And tells people that the way that they're born is correct and that everybody is accepted that would come as you are. Like, oh, that's, of course the Catholic Church hates all that shit. Yeah, but like a dancer, thoughtful, like, I, I don't know why you would hate Lady Gaga. The Kardashians, I can see it. Okay, I can see it. Um, and then Benson is like, and Ella's pretty sheltered. And this lady responds with, yeah, she was one of the good girls. That's why it's so shocking. And Benson, without skipping a beat, goes, she's still a good girl, sister. Like, Ooh. what the fuck? Yeah. I fucking hate old world shit. It's just <laughs> like, I hate how little the hu- humans have evolved. It's so fucking annoying. I can't believe we're slipping into fascism and people still think, like, 13-year-old. I I hate everything. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> She gets the message Olivia is throwing and just kind of gets it and moves on. And she's like, we're concerned. Um, And they're like, what if it's anyone at the school? And she goes, no fucking way. Uh, We play close attention. And Benson goes, yeah, so close attention that a 13-year-old girl is pregnant. So, Um, And she asks any change in mood. And the sister nun is like, actually, Ella has been happier than ever. I've never seen her so happy. She was singing to herself in the stairwell a few weeks ago. Benson then goes to the playground area to talk to what looks like a super cool teen um, who says that Ella didn't have a boyfriend and was just super obsessed with Prince William. (laughs) It's just funny. You could tell this was a long time ago because now he's bald, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No 13-year-old, I don't think. Nothing wrong with being bald, but I don't know if there's a lot of 13-year-olds No, this was right when the wedding was happening. This is right when the wedding was happening with Kate Middleton. This was high. They were the the biggest story. Yeah. Um, Benson asks if any of the, any boys are into her and the super cool teen says, oh, Arturo follows her everywhere she goes. Like, Arturo follows her. So then Amaro's talking to a boy who says he likes her, but she doesn't like him about Arturo. Um, and starts making fun of that, like, Arturo needs an inhaler, which I guess makes you a loser. Excuse me, I have an inhaler. I know. (laughs) I learned you have asthma on this podcast. (laughs) It's very mild. So then Benson and Amaro meet up from, you know, talking to each kid, and they're both like, Arturo, Arturo. So both the um, people, like, schoolmates brought up Arturo, so they're going to have to go investigate Arturo. They go to his house, and Judy Reyes is playing the mother of the boy. Um, Inez is the mother's name. Um, And Judy is very famous, very beloved, very booked, very blessed. Love her, love her, love her. Kara loves her on claws. She's Ugh. been in scrubs and, you know, she's just been working for decades and is very, it was very exciting uh, to see her. And so now that, you know, Judy's playing the mom of Arturo, you're like, okay, Arturo's going to stay in the story. This is not a red yeah, herring. Yeah. Even like, <laughs> maybe it's a red herring in some way, but they're not bringing her in for just this for scene. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, when they mention Ella's name, the mom looks up at Arturo like she knows something is up or like she just gets worried. She's like, oh my God, is Ella in trouble? So Benson does the trick where she coughs and asks for water. So they in- do the separate interviews by sex. So Arturo is now with Amaro um, and 
Um, Arturo's asking, like, Ella is sick. She wasn't in school today. And Amaro's like, well, neither were you. But you texted a friend to check up on her, did you not? And then Amaro does this, like, spinning sit thing on the coffee table that is a sexy, cool move. Did you clock this? <laughs> I did Did you not. clock this, like, smooth coffee table sit? I don't no. know. I, um, I liked it. So he's trying to get more information from Arturo. And he needs to know, um, like, he's like, oh, so Ella's your girlfriend? No, best friends. Any other boy? Um, a teacher, father, friend. He's like, no, nah, nothing. Please tell me, yada, yada. And he gets nervous, so nervous that he's now asthma huffing, puffing, and he needs his inhaler. He doesn't know anything. So he's obviously lying about something since he's so stressed he's about to have an asthma attack. So Benson then puts it all together outside with Amaro. Like, whoever got her pregnant, they are both scared of this person. So Ella's scared of this person and Arturo. Who the fuck can this person be? So now it's a walk and talk at the precinct with Munch joining Amaro and Benson. And we have information about a teacher, Luis Cordova. Not to be confused with Lois, Louise, <laughs> Louis. <laughs> Louis Cordova to me, I don't know if you looked like Hashi Horowitz, but younger. Yeah, yeah. A for sure. Right? I don't I yeah. I saw the connection. A classic, know. a classic defense attorney on the show, right? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, but the problem is that Louis Cordova is dead and he's been dead. So what's going on? So basically, Louis Cordova has risen from the dead and is sitting here. So Munch brings Amaro into the interrogation room to be like, learn this kid. So Munch is happy to teach Amaro the ropes. Um, so the identity is uh, of this guy's uncle. So the teacher's real name is actually Diego Ramirez. So Diego can't get a job at the school because of his record. He says she, he shouldn't even be on the sexual registry list, but he is. Um, he was 19. He had sex on prom two days before his girlfriend's 17th birthday. And the dad pressed charges anyways. He got a sexual misconduct charge. He got fucked up in jail, used all of his money to wipe away the record. He could not do it. And so he couldn't get any jobs. And so he, his uncle died and he assumed his uncle identity. I do feel bad for him. I do feel bad for him. I do too. It's also like you can get on the sexual offender registry for like pissing publicly near a school, even if the school's closed because you're within like the, like there's some loopholes where people are on the sex offender registry that shouldn't be on it. We, that's just, you know. No, I wrote, do I, I feel bad for him. Is that bad? Like, I don't no, know. No, I don't think a 19-year-old having sex with a 17-year-old warrants that the rest of your life you can't get a job working with children. You need to announce yourself to your neighbors. I don't think that that's justice. It is not justice. And I don't know. I, I don't know why pissing him. I don't know why. God, why? <laughs> um, but the suspicious part is like, you could get a job anywhere. Why did you get a job at a school? Like you have a passion for teaching? I don't know. Yeah, maybe like that's go get it. a job at a bank. I don't like get a job with adults. Like it's just a little yeah. Because like this happened when you were nineteen. So like, when did you learn to become a teacher? If you knew you would never be able to work at a school, how did you go get a master's? How did you become a you teacher? You don't have to. At, at religious schools, you actually oh, barely need an right. education. Oh, that's right. At religious schools, you don't have to. I, I taught PE at a Jewish school. They don't care. <laughs> so whatever. He's going to lose his job, too. So, But it is cool that he took his uncle's identity. You know, he's crafty. Yeah, that was smart. <laughs> but both Amaro and Munch don't think this guy did it. Like, nobody would be scared of this guy. They think he's But he is going to lose his job again. <laughs> yeah. 
But he's like this nervous, Nelly, dork-looking guy. And they're like, there's no way these kids are that scared of this person. So they go to talk to Ella at her house. And I love when they go to kids or like more specifically teen rooms. I love to see how the props department decorated what they think teens are really into. Yeah. Uh, But I also think they're trying to portray how young she really is. Like 13 is very young to be pregnant. So there's a lot of pink. She has a strawberry on her shirt, short sleeve pastel, like pink and green colored plaid, white bed posts, like a canopy type bed with stickers all over it. So you could tell um, she's very young. Benson is asking Ella questions about him and Benson is pushing her to give the scoop on the teacher. Um, And quickly Ella's like, yep, he's the one. He had sex with me. I was scared. And Benson's like, oh, okay. When was this? Where'd you go? You got in his car? She goes, yes, in his car. And Benson goes, sorry, girl. There is no car. He doesn't have a car. So you're lying. So we know it's not him. And he doesn't have a car because he got roughed up so hard when he was in jail for statutory rape that he has, like, permanent, like, vertigo and, like, fucked up stuff where he can't drive. So another part about this thing that was kind of, like, this guy's life was changed for having sex with his girlfriend when they were teens. Yeah, and I do um, a joke about this that's longer and, like, sillier, uh, but it is this (laughs) thing of, like, if guys are so scared of false accusations, why are you taking the risk? Yeah. Just don't do it. Just if you're so scared, don't date a 16 year old. Like, as women, we can't walk home at night through dark alleys or it's our fault. If you're dating someone that's 16, like, it's on you, motherfucker. Yeah. Maybe I'll add it to the bit. But she looked legal, bro. But they could have started <laughs> dating when he was like a junior and she was a freshman, which yeah. I don't think is that fucked, but I don't know. I no, it's, it's not. And it's not, to- you're not told in school that that's illegal. You're not told in school that's not allowed to happen. No, because the teachers are trying to fuck these kids, so they can Seniors can't. are allowed to date freshmen. That's like an 18-year-old and a 14-year-old. Yeah. I mean, they're allowed to date. I guess they're not allowed to have sex, but they are. Yeah. Anyway. But you can't lie to Benson, okay? No. And also, you know what they need to teach kids in school? Stop lying about crimes and ruining adults' lives. Like, yeah. these little lies are giant effects. Like, there needs to be more weight on making up these types of stories, Mm -hmm. which I don't think happens very often, but um, whatever. Yeah. So who is it? Who is it? Who is it? And so Benson goes, is it Arturo? And she giggles. She's like, no, (laughs) LOL. (laughs) Um, Then she goes, the man I'm going to marry is rich and handsome, and I'm going to be his princess. And so that's why the grandma teaching her about, like, being a, you know, waiting for a prince is not a smart lesson to teach because princesses get married at 14. Okay. Yeah. So then Benson also notices some dried up roses on the desk and is like, who are those from? And she goes and she reads the card and the card says, Ella still dreaming of you. So now Benson and Amaro are going to head to the floral shop where the flowers were sent from. Um, And off Amaro and Benson go. And I can't wait to see what kind of gay man florist this is. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Is it going to be an old sassy gay or a young sassy gay? (laughs) There's so (laughs) many gay florists on this fucking show. It's true. And I texted you yesterday. You didn't respond to this picture. You were probably very busy. But this is a young sassy gay man with big eyes. He's young. He's amazing. His name is Tom Deckman. And he's in Sex in the City. In one of my favorite scenes of all time, where Charlotte is like scared that her dog, her King Charles uh, dog Elizabeth Taylor, is too fat, and takes the dog to the pet shop, and 
the he plays the pet shop guy who's like obsessed and is like, oh my God, she's pregnant. <laughs> and is like obsessed. We will post um a photo of this guy. I fucking love him so much in Sex in the City. Okay, I just want you to know that you sent it to me with no comment. You just sent me a photo of the man. So I had no idea what it was. But you would respond maybe still. <laughs> like, doesn't that give you more reason to respond? I thought you were sending respond? me like a meme that had to do with the conversation we were talking about because it's literally just a man with his eyes bugging out holding a King Charles. So I, th- yeah, I thought it was that? like a meme. It's like the best scene in Sex in the City. I fucking love So this guy is, is the florist. Yeah, and we'll post this photo because it is so fucking cute. And Elizabeth yeah. Taylor is pissed. Like, I just, they hired the best. I just love TV. Okay. Um, <laughs> so basically, he was also in season five episode called Brotherhood, the one with Gary Cooper and like the frat hazing assault stuff. Interesting. Brotherhood and Blood Brothers. Yeah. And Serena Williams is in that episode that he was in, but he is in both brother episodes. So I wonder if Warren Light did that on purpose with all of his games he likes to play. Yeah. So of course they do a back and forth. I can't tell you the clients. Give me the goods. Don't you need a subpoena? We'll tell the tax people about you. They're going to investigate. And, you know, Benson being stern that Amaro's trying to show off and he sugar talks a little bit and he goes hey you know what why don't you just leave it up on the computer screen it's like we saw it on accident and you won't have anything to do with it Um, and he likes it and even Benson's like you know what good work bro nice one so they get the scoop from the computer and they're like Damn, no wonder no one wanted to say shit. Uh, The roses cost $209.99. So that is not a cheap set of roses. It is Andrew Rain's account, and he lives on East 76th Street. So we can assume fancy, okay? And they know exactly who it is. I think that's where Carrie lived too, East 78th or East 76th, something like that. Yeah, Um, when the Upper East Side was cool. I think it's still really cool for rich, rich people, but it's not like... I never think it's been cool, but yeah. No, it's like it's stuck in the 80s. Like, the restaurants are 80s. Like, everything is very, very 80s. But Amaro wants to, like, ride his horse down, right straight to the Reigns' house. And and Benson's like, okay, we got a loop in the captain. So I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? So we're at the board, uh, another brainstorm. And the board is filled with photos of Kyle McLaughlin. He's (laughs) back! (laughs) He's an ambassador, um, and he's about to announce for his father's old Senate seat. So his dad was a senator. He's an ambassador. He's running for a Senate seat. Um, Is he really going to try to get a 13-year-old pregnant, like, when he's about to run for office? So that's Cragen's point of view. Um, Munch is like, well, it could have just been, like, a cousin or a family member or someone that used that account. Cragen's like, we've been fucking up a lot. The NYPD gets so much negative attention. Let's, like, tread lightly. Let's, you know, dot the I's, cross the T's. Let's do this. They're very, very rich. Let's be discreet. So, boom, Benson and Amaro are at this giant-ass house talking to a housekeeper in a classic maid outfit. Because then you know they're old school money. They're old money. If you have a chill maid in casual clothes, you're new money. If your maid has to wear a black and white dress, that's old money. If, you're, if your maid is dressed like Lisa on Halloween, yeah. old money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and Amaro pushes past the maid and shakes the hand of the ambassador, who is Kyle McLaughlin. And the wife is a babe. 
a babe. But she looks like all these other famous women that's not them. You're, uh, so the woman's name is Paige Turco, and she's like a mix of Allie Landry and Daisy Fuentes. I've been watching her in on television since I was like eight years old. Like, I've been watching this woman in different episodes of TV. I've just seen her forever. I could yeah. never have told you her name until you just told me it, but like, I've been watching her forever. No, and she look and like a little Carmen Electra. Like she looks like eighty Ava Longoria. It's like who is that? But it's Paige, um, and she's been a series regular on like eight TV shows. Like she's she's been working in television for decades. So, um, it's and she's like stunning in this episode. So Kyle McLaughlin has the classic line about my wife, and he's like, "We have no secrets here. You can talk in front of both of us. We have no secrets." They go, "We need to know why roses were sent to Elamendez, who is thirteen. And the wife is like, "A flower scandal on the day we announced. Are you fucking kidding me? Give us a break." And Benson's like, "Um, no, a thirteen-year-old girl is pregnant, so we have to." So Amaro's like, "Do you know this girl?" And he's like, "I. I mean, does she say that she knows me? I'm confused. Dozens of staffers have access access to that account. It wasn't me. Um, like Shaggy. <laughs> it wasn't me. Like Shaggy." <laughs> So they skedaddle away, um, but Benson's like, listen, the housekeeper assumed when we arrived that we were here for the sun trip. Maybe we are. Trip's obviously a bad kid if the housekeeper's like, oh, the cops are here. Must be this kid. So Benson's a great detective. So we cut. I went to school with several kids named Trip, just so you know. Do you? Did you really? It's not a real name. No. Do you know who, what trip it's I a went vacation. to school with? Do you remember on Real Housewives of New York where Carol Radswell has a best friend who was a co-parent her dog named Baby named Trip? I went to high school with him. Wow. <laughs> um, so we cut to my favorite bosom buddies, Finn and Rollins, and they're going back to the school. Um, <laughs> they're going back to a school to uh, talk to some rich kids. It's really, really rich kids because uh, she makes the thing of like, whoa, I didn't know kids this age can drive. And Ice is like, they're being driven, you fucking Georgia trash. <laughs> um, so they see Trip and they go to chat to him. And Finn's chain is popping. I don't know if it, he's always wearing one, but I really noticed it in this episode and it's extra shiny. Um, and Trip is so confident talking to the cops, not scared of anything, no fear. He knows he's rich kid vibes to the max. So they ask if he knows Ella Mendez and his response is, well, she'll never forget me. Um, he calls having sex with her, giving her some charity, which is gross. Ugh. Then a bald buff man driver runs out and is like, I got to take this kid home. And Finn remembers him. He's like, wait, we know each other from major case. And he tries to bond, but Baldy has no interest. And is like, if he's not under arrest, I'm taking him. I'm sure he's paid very handsomely to protect this rich family. The detectives go to Ella's apartment and the grandma is forcing Ella into a black car outside. And she has a pink backpack and a stuffed animal with her. Again, nailing on the head how young this person is. Um, she's like, no, 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 I don't want to go in the car. And she's crying. She doesn't want to go. And then she goes, I want to keep my baby. And Benson hugs her and says, oh my God. And like, it's a really sweet embrace. Um, and we know that Benson sometimes is anti-choice. She's for choice, but she's into people keeping their babies. Jesus. Okay. You don't agree? No, I, I don't disagree. I would just, I would be like, Ella, this is what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> you don't <laughs> Sorry. Know. No, she's always, but maybe it is pro-choice in the way of like, if she wants to keep it, but she's never, con she's always, there's a, been a few episodes where she's okay with young, young teens keeping their baby. And mm -hmm. I don't know. Okay. Um, 
Benson and Ella are in kid interrogation. They've given her some juice and a banana. And they're like, okay, so who's trying to abort your baby if you don't want to? Uh, but also, don't keep it. <laughs> um, <no. laughs> he said if she got the abortion, that they could be girl and boyfriends. And it's like, who, who, who? So it is Trip. We know what's up. So Trip is the only boy that she's ever had sex with once on the 4th of July. She went to a party at his house that Arturo invited her to. So Arturo was invited and brought Ella as a plus one to the party. I can't believe tweens have plus ones. That's pretty thrilling. And you're okay. So like, how did he even get invited though and his mom was the maid for this rich family okay connections are being made Benson has a messy updo by the way with like a long side tendril of hair Ella is saying how she's never been to a house that big and he was super nice and everyone was drinking jungle juice but she didn't want to drink so he would get her lemonade um, and it kind of reminds me of going to underage clubs and people being like so you want you want a bottle of water um, so whatever so <laughs> She thinks it's super, super sweet that he respected her decision not to drink the jungle juice and brought her lemonade. Um, Amaro and Novak are spying in the room watching what's happening. Um, so while she's drinking the lemonade, he's showing her around the house and he brought he brings her to all the bedrooms and shows stuff. She goes to his room. It's a king-size bed, more lemonade, but she's getting dizzy and fuzzy. So he did drug the lemonade, let's be honest. Or spiked it with alcohol or something. Yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. she would have tasted that, yeah. But not if you've never had alcohol. I guess. If there was vodka in my lemonade, I would taste it. What if it kid, was uh, Malibu rum? Yeah, true. Or grain. Yeah. No, grain you would taste. Doesn't that, isn't grain the one that's like tasteless that they put in jungle juice because it doesn't have a taste? Oh, Everclear has a taste. <laughs> the night I set off the fire alarms and stole exit signs in my college dorm room, I was taking shots of Everclear. And oh, God. There was, a there was a taste. And there was a taste. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> and then I fucked in the common room. I mean, I was. it was a wild night in college. <laughs> okay. So she starts explaining it and it does get sad and she does get emotional and I think she's realizing what's happening because she's crying. Um, he kissed her, groped her. She said that she wouldn't, uh, she doesn't like that and that her grandma would be mad and he said, well, don't tell her. <laughs> and he then said that she was hot and he liked her and she's crying. He pushed her down in the bed, pulled down her skirt and put it inside, in quotes. And Benson is like, did you want this? And she goes, no, it hurt. I said no and crying and he got mad and said it's your fucking fault that I couldn't stop <sighs> and um, he was he just kept being like don't you want me to like you um, so this is like the worst kid and this is why you shouldn't be rich as a child and even if you are rich teach your like your kids should grow up thinking they're poor even if you're yeah. rich that that should be the move yeah but you know old money and then when he was done, he was like, you should clean up. And then she did, and she couldn't find Arturo, and she took the bus home, and Arturo was gone. But the next day, Trip sent her flowers, you know, the roses. And she's like, you you know, you wouldn't just do that for anyone, right? And then Aww. really heartbreaking music plays in the background. And it's like, for someone that's not rich, getting those kinds of roses might seem really special, you know? Um, and then you forget rich people are terrible. And just when you're 13, you don't even know what the what relationships are supposed to look like. You don't really know, like, well, you know. Well, no, I'm, you do, like, 
the vision that she has in her head is because of her grandma. I mean, we're not blaming the yeah. grandma. Yeah, it's like but, a prince, princess. He's treating me nice, even though he did something I told him not to do. Yeah, so to her, it's like the rose is Cinderella. Oh, he's coming to find, you know. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It isn't, she has no clue. The clue she has is from this old world grandma who is trying to keep her safe, but... Right. Honesty is the way to keep children safe, not lies about princesses. Yep. So tell Rosie Santa isn't real. I'll do that right after school today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Novak is scared the jury won't charge him, especially with his legal team that he can afford. And they're going to argue consensual, yada, yada. And Benson is pissed and is like, he spiked her drink, Casey. She was a virgin and cried. And Novak knows. Novak is on our side, you know? But she's like, listen, there was no outcry. Ella liked the flowers. They think, she thinks they're going to be together. And Amaro's like, he is a player. He is a teenage fucking player. And Novak's like, she's changed her story three times. Uh, We can't prove he's the father unless you want to go get an amnio. And Benson's like, it's taken this long to get her to trust us. And Novak, shady as fuck, says, I'm sure it did. And Benson goes, what the hell is that supposed to mean? And Novak doesn't respond and kind of looks around uncomfortable. And um, she has really fun orange hair in this. I don't remember this color, but I really, really like it. It's like a Bella Thorne color of orange. Um, And then Benson again says, counselor, what the hell is that supposed to mean? And this isn't me, Lisa, adding, you know, swears. She said hell twice. So we know she's bad. And Amaro gets the vibe that he should leave. So he's like, I have paperwork and runs away. And Olivia, basically, uh, Novak's like, Olivia, you've been going through a lot. And Benson says, don't you dare patronize me. And Novak raises her voice and says, you're off. And she goes, you know, your anger is what pushed the disclosure and Benson's like, I didn't see that. And Novak's like, yes, I saw that. You're off your game. You suck. And Benson's like, nah. What I see is someone scared to face the facts because that family is too much muscle and your office has lost their fucking nerve. Boom, I added boom, the fucking. <laughs> we cut to a pissed off Benson trying to get some shit out of a very short, tiny little vending machine. Oh, um, she's pissed at that vending machine. That yeah. generic vending machine. <laughs> Amaro meets her and Benson is flustered and confused. Like, what is wrong with these people? How can they not see this? Uh, She's not going to press charges. And Amaro is like, hey, let's pay the rich family a visit and let's try to like get Tripp's side of the story. Let's befriend them. Let's be manipulative. Like a courtesy before the DA. Like, let's help cover this up type of thing. So they show up and the mom looks hot as hell. uh, Champagne, spaghetti, strap dress, tan, um, you know, dropped earrings. She is on fleek, but she is a bitch. She is a total bitch. And immediately she's like, whatever that girl said, she's lying. He didn't force her. I mean, girls throw themselves at my son all the time. And Benson with a quick, so when they wind up pregnant, do you pay for the abortions? And she says, that's another lie. And she's making shit up. So Benson is like, let us chat. And basically... Obviously, the rich people are like, we'll wait for a lawyer. We told you talk to the lawyer. And they're like, come on, let's just talk to Trip. We're here as a courtesy. We're just trying to get his side. Like, they're trying to manipulate them. And the mom sees right through it and goes, no. But Kyle McLaughlin's like, okay, fine. Five minutes with us in the room. I'll go get him. So Daddy Kyle, like, runs up the stairs a little looking for Trip. And when he's gone, rich mommy goes, my husband's a politician. He wants everyone to like him. I don't. 
If you people think you're going to take this girl's fiction and hurt my son, you're going to go down hard. And then Kyle runs down and says Trip is out studying and the mom immediate nerves and is like, wait, no, he's supposed to be in his room. And they look stressed he's not home, but they are like kind of putting the worrying behind them to, you know, keep it together. Um, Mm -hmm. And they go outside and Kyle's grabbing the wife's arm and kind of leading her into the car. And I don't know if it's like a romantic hold, but it seemed aggressive. Like, I don't like when men hold women's arms like this. Even when I see it for myself in public, I just, I don't like it. So I noticed. The detectives realize that they seem worried, and Amaro's like, yeah, this kid's on the fucking run. So we cut to the squad. Ice-T and an all-black ensemble is like, no sign of the boy. Um, and there's an unmarked car outside the house. He did not come home. They have The family, though, has not filed a missing persons report, so they're like, oh, they might be hiding him. And Rollins says, we've had uh, surveillance on their Aspen house, their Hamptons house, and their Martha's Vineyard house. Um, which house would you rather have if you can have one? Of these houses, honestly, I like Martha's Vineyard the best, but I find it too hard to get to. So but so probably the Hamptons, because it's close to New York. But Martha's Vineyard is the most beautiful to me. I've never been to Aspen, really, because I don't ski, but I've been to the Hamptons and Martha's Vineyard, and I like Martha's Vineyard the best. I have not been to either of these locations, and I want to go to Martha's Vineyard. It's but really, I, I don't it's know really how hard pretty. it is to go there, but if it's you good just have to take a Obama. ferry, you have to take a ferry from Massachusetts or fly. You can fly Cape Air, but it's like it's a little annoying. And um, so yeah, they've like been like looking at those houses. He hasn't showed up. Now, Novak walks in and is like, um, excuse me. Did you, like, what did you do? Um, She's like, I got a call from the Reigns and they think I'm about to indict their son. So Benson's like, oh, you don't like that we have leverage, Casey? Whose side are you fucking on? And Cragen pops in and is like, okay, so they know where where Trip is or what? And she's confused and has no idea what they're talking about. And they have to fill Casey and they're like, he isn't missing. And Casey says, oh, nobody's told me that. So that's a little strange that she's talked to the parents but have not mentioned the missing kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the mom comes in. Trip's mom is in. She is worried, wearing amazing casual wear. Something has happened to her son, she thinks, and nobody, including his security, like, knows where he is. And it's like, if you're that rich and your security fucked up, like, who the fuck took trip? So then Cragen's like, what about your husband? And she, again, uh, there's a theme, goes, we do not have any secrets. So the mom does classic mom stuff and is like, you don't understand. Trip has it hard. He's in the spotlight, but he's a good kid. I'm telling you. We find out he was picked up after school and brought to fencing and then told Briggs that he was going to just walk back home. She's like, he's 13 and out there all alone. And it's like, okay, well, Ella's 13 and pregnant and you don't seem to care at all. So I don't know why we suddenly have to care about your piece of shit kid that you raised. Uh, Cragen ensures they'll do everything they can to find him. So now it's trace time. So they're tracing the phones and what's happening and Arturo's mom's phone number is in there. So now they know that Arturo and Trip communicated. So Amaro rushes down to ask Arturo some questions about the phone call. Arturo lies and they're like, we have the record. So why did Trip call you? So then he finally admits that Arturo did ask for help and wanted to meet him, um, but he waited for Trip, but Trip never showed up. So Amaro's pushing like, how do you know Trip? Anyways, did your mom used to take you to work or what's going on? And Arturo responds super frustrated like, no, I lived in that house my whole life and now I'm here. 
So Amaro's wheels are turning a little bit. And at this point, I feel like we all put this together, right? <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> So Amaro's trying to figure out, like, why Arturo's even covering for him. Is it like, do you feel bad because you brought Ella there and it's kind of, like, your fault? Why are you lying with him? Do you really want to be friends with him? Like, what is the gig? And Arturo goes, no, I'm done helping him. He's a jerk. I'm glad he ran away. Cut to the kitchen. Benson is talking to Inez, who's wearing a purple shirt, but I won't say anything about that. And <laughs> I did notice that. I was like, Lisa's going to bring this up. <laughs> <laughs> They worked, uh, so the mom worked there for 15 years. She says that the rich mom was awesome and gave them clothes and hand-me-down laptops. The boys were super close and are born a month apart and they grew up together. And Benson's like, okay, so you know this kid was there, a signature spot he used to hang out. And she says she remembers the boys used to play at the park all the time. And when you're rich and you live in the neighborhoods they live in, the park means Central Park. Mm. I once babysat at 57th and 7th and we would go to the just to Central Park. I'm like, you don't even know how lucky you are, kid. <laughs> I think this kid knew. Um, Ice uh, calls Benson and says they have a hit on Trip's AMX card. So uh, there's been charges at a bar on Christopher Street for hours. So him and Rollins head out and it's a gay, 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 naked boy, go, go, boy bar. So exciting. <laughs> They see a guy in a gray tank top and they're like, hello, sir. And he's annoyed. He's like, what? What did I do? And they're, it's like, you know exactly what you did, sir. You did steal a credit card. So they take the guy in the gray tank downtown. Okay. And they show him a photo of Trip asking if he knows him. He, of course, says no. And then he says one of my favorite lines in the history of the show to Ice-T. He goes, I swear on your hazelnut eyes of yours, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> He's like, I just found this stuff in Central Park in the Ramble under a bridge. And Rollins goes, what were you doing under the bridge? And it's like, you know damn well what he was doing under the bridge. Um, he says he was giving a tug and chug to a middle-aged breeder in a Grateful <laughs> Dead t-shirt. They ask if he knew the guy. Um, and it's like, okay, honey. It's not like he paid in check. And uh -huh. Rollins does not like being called honey. And he goes, sorry, when I get nervous, I get nasty. Which I think is so cute, too. I like how self-aware he is. Yeah. Uh, so then he goes, what's the big deal? Lost cards are insured. Like, what is up? And Munch is in the spy room and is like, I don't think this guy is killing kids. Like, he doesn't need to murder kids to go have drinks. And Amaro's like, yeah, also, if he knew, like, the card or who this was, he wouldn't be going to do a bar tab. You know what I mean? So they go on a big search. The German Shepherds, helicopters, everyone's working tonight. And sadly, they do find him dead at the park. And all the evil media shows up immediately to the family doorstep. It's why, like, the kid just died. He is freshly found in the park. And there's just so much media circus um, right on the stoop of their house, sticking microphones into a grieving parent's face. And they're asking Kyle McLaughlin, do you think your son was gay? And it's like... <laughs> He's dead. You're like, that's a little more important than Ugh. if a kid is gay or not. He's dead. But to ask, <laughs> to ask, like, he's a freshly dead kid's father if the kid is gay is, like, so crazy to me. This is perfect SVU at its finest. Insanity, yes. Uh, the second time in SVU history that Kyle McLaughlin has had to identify his dead child, if you remember him from conscience, um... But this time he has a little more emotion. Okay, so Kyle, right after looking at his blue dead cold son, turns around and says, my son wasn't gay. <laughs> it's like, he says, just say my son wasn't gay. And it's like, why do you care? Like, what? 
It's just like, it's, it's just like a silly plot point. Like I can't, I mean, people are weird, but I can't imagine that that's what you, <laughs> that's the I guess this episode is from like 2011, I think. Yeah, it's from October of 2011, but I'm like, God, 10 years, that's some tough stuff. Please say my, please tell me my son was, I know my son is dead, but please tell me when he was alive, he didn't like penises. Please, please. <laughs> Um, Kyle is like, so it was a robbery. And Benson says there was a lot of blows to the head. So it, like, it seems more personal than a robbery. You wouldn't have to like beat the shit out of a child to rob him. Um, do you know anyone who would want to hurt your son? And he's like, I can't believe this. Like, I don't know who anyone who would do this to him. And Amaro brings up Arturo and Kyle is like, the housekeeper's son? He's a sweet kid. Why? And Amaro's like, well, he's the last person that talked to your son. So Arturo's mom worked for you till recently. Did you fire her? Like, why would she leave such a sweet-ass gig? And he goes off the record, uh, immigration issues with the campaign. I have to be totally above board. We cleared it up left a generous settlement, but, like, I just couldn't have an illegal working for me. Um, is it possible Arturo had some resentment about this? And Kyle's like, sure, okay, but he would never do this. He's a tiny kid. He's slow. Like, he's shitting on weaker Turo. And he's like, my son was an athlete. He was a star. And Kyle starts cry crying and runs away with the bald man from earlier. And Benson <laughs> and Amaro think um, it is him, but over a girl? Like, no way. Like, what is it? What is it? Amaro isn't buying the firing story. And back in the squad, we get confirmation of this. Uh, Rollins talked to INS. And basically, Inez has been a citizen of this country for 15 years. Like, you know what's happening. Like, I don't know if this episode is so obvious because I've seen it so many times. Or, duh, we know what's happening. Like, I just wonder if well, you're watching Well, especially this when we get time. into what I'm going to talk about in the second half of the episode, that story was happening right at the same time. So it's like, you do know what's going on. If you're, if you're living in this time period, you know what's happening. It just seems so obvious. So then we also find out that Daddy Kyle Reigns wired $250,000 into Inez's savings account and that the co-op they live in was purchased in all cash from a Reigns trust. So Ice is like, maybe she knew some shit about the family and needed to keep them quiet. But Benson doesn't get those vibes from Inez. She's like, nah, she's not a blackmailer. And she seemed really genuinely concerned for trip safety. So more evidence falls into their lap. Arturo's birth certificate, there's a man's name on it. But... Inez and this man divorced five years ago, but on those divorce papers, it says they do not have any children together. Done, done. Benson cracks the case. Finally, she floats into the group and says, child support. It's child support. So now we have Arturo looking so fucking sweet in interrogation. He's such a nice boy. Casting did such an amazing job with this sweet, sweet child. Um, and the boy is still working, if you're wondering. He's a young man. He's recently been in the TV show Love, Victor. And I hope he continues to succeed in his life and grow. Which they film in my neighborhood sometimes. Our neighborhood sometimes. But they filmed it across the street from me once. Ooh. Um, and the mom's in interrogation as well. Um, so there's a back and forth and Amaro is bullying him to try to get the truth and I wish he wasn't so mean to Arturo. Um, they let him know that if he had um, his cell phone with him, they can track him and they're going to know exactly where he was, that he was in the park with Trip. so might as well like tell us the truth because we can track your phone. He looks worried. He starts talking. He says Trip said that he needed to talk to Ella, but he couldn't call her and asked Arturo to bring her. 
Ella was excited, packed a bag. She thought they were going to run away together. But he said that Trip was an asshole and was so mean. He started screaming, like, why didn't you get the abortion? Who do you think you are? And Ella started to cry and her makeup got messy. And Trip said that she looked like a cheap whore. And Inez is like, mijo, like, you don't use that word. Did I say that Spanish word, right? Yes. Amaro is like, so obviously you protected your friend, right? And he said that he told Trip to leave her alone. So Arturo goes, no, everything is your fault. You shouldn't have brought this girl to my house in the first place. And that he better take care of it and took out his wallet and tried to give him money. But Arturo didn't want his money. So then Trip pushed him to the ground, put his face in the dirt and says, it doesn't matter how much it costs. She better take care of that baby and then threw money on the ground and walked away. And it's like, he is such a bad person. And this just shows how like Tripp's mother is like, he's a good kid. You don't understand. We have to find my sweet baby. And it's like, that's why you can never trust mothers that talk about their kids or like feeling bad for moms. They're like, what about my son? He's accused of rape. He's a good boy. No, you can never trust a mother. Sorry. Sorry, Kara. Well, yeah, but also, like, I think we also think 13 is extremely young, but it's not too young to become a total dick. Like, your kid is beyond bad. Yeah. Paying, forcing abortions, throwing friends that they grew up with but into the dirt. But he's doing what he watched. He learned it somewhere. I learned it from watching you, Dad. He learned that you can throw money at a problem and kind of make it go away. So Arturo says something very true. You can't just throw money at something and pretend they don't exist. So then Amaro goes, like Tripp's father did to you. Mic drop, reveal, uh uh-oh. So Inez looks worried and Arturo shakes his head yes. And that's when Inez realizes that maybe her son did do something bad. And she just goes, what did you do? I mean, he says, sorry, mommy. And he starts crying. He's so talented. Give this kid an Emmy. So then Benson... um, like, starts beating into this kid to get more and more information. Uh, but also, the world is better that Trip is dead. <laughs> you just, you're a 13 I mean, and you're already raping. And yeah. you're never going to get caught. Like, I'm sorry, Arturo did the Lord's work because this motherfucker would have raped dozens of over women. And over, yeah. He probably would have killed some sex workers. He probably would have went to work in finance, if anything, and done illegal trade. Like, this is a bad person, and I'm I'm sorry. I don't care that he's He's dead. also fictional, so don't come for us too hard. But he would have been <laughs> horrible to staff his whole yeah. life. He would have yeah. treated people like shit. And he's a rapist, so he would have continued to rape. Yeah. So I'm glad yeah. that this kid is dead. So basically, Arturo picked up a rocket, threw it at him, and it hit his head, so he fell down, which would have been like, fine, it's an accident, chill. But then he went, picked up the rock again, and hit him again on the head. Inez starts crying, and... um you know, they're looking at each other, her and her son, and they're crying. And um, then he told Ella to run. And he said, Ella was my friend. That was my house. And he wanted to make her a princess. And then he goes, yeah, I'm a Reigns. I'm just like Trip." And so I guess he knows it and it's all been out. Um, and so we find, like, we're like, how did you find out? And he said, basically, he heard the mom and Kyle McLaughlin fucking. Really? That's what I got from it. Did you not get that? He said oh, I heard I, them. Oh, I didn't know. I thought, yeah, yeah, I guess. Sure. I mean, maybe it was a conversation, but I got the vibe that after New Year's one time that he um, saw them fucking. Is No, not, maybe. Because yeah, I, 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 I don't think they would have, because I don't think they would have talked about it because Inez seems yeah. pretty fine with the arrangement. 
Right. Um, but so, and then the mom now like realizes that her son watched, you know, or fuck the boss. So then Arturo is really smart and he bought an at-home test at a drugstore and used the toothbrush, um, Kyle's toothbrush, to get results in. And he goes, that's my dad. Which is very crafty. 2011, like 23 and Me wasn't really a huge thing quite yet. So like he did a full DNA test yeah, maybe, at 13. Maybe Catholic school did teach him a thing or yeah. two. <laughs> and then he did show it to him and he got really mad and that's why they had to move away. Um... So, you know, he's like, why didn't you tell me? And the mom goes, I didn't want to get, I didn't want you to get hurt. And Benson's like, well, okay, is there anyone else you talked to about um, the Reigns, you being a Reigns? And he goes, no, because if I did, we would lose the apartment. So the dad threatened the kid and was like, if you tell anyone, you will not have a place to live. What a piece of shit. You're right. He did learn it from his dad and he's a politician. And I was like, oh no, he's a nice dad. And it's like, no, Mm. he's playing the fucking game. Um, And then he says something so heartbreaking. He goes, I also didn't care to really talk about this with anyone else. I just wanted to talk to my fucking dad about it. And Amaro tells him now, like, tell him now. Um, And it's like, is this a candid camera show? Like, why? They're, like, beating this kid down. And then it's like, you know, pretend he's behind the mirror. And he cries and he just says, I just wanted you to call me your son and say you love me. And Kyle is actually behind the mirror. And he is unmoved by this. And Arturo in the investigation room still says, why couldn't you? And the wife is gr- crying now. And she turns to Kyle McLaughlin and goes, what did you do? And that's when you, you know, the foreshadow of them keeping, like having to keep say, we have no secrets. We have no secrets. We have the best marriage. Say anything you yeah, want. Yeah. Um, so he says it didn't mean anything. And she says, our son is dead. And he tries to hug her and she uh, says, no, don't. Don't touch me. Um, she points her finger in his face and is stern as hell. Very Charlotte sex in the city when Big tries to approach Charlotte after he didn't, you know, like, don't like that. Nope. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you fucking dare vibes. And she says, you stay away from me. And he responds, I didn't want to hurt you. I didn't want to hurt our family. I'm sorry, he screams out. And she runs out of the room and away. And Craig and Novak follow after her. And he is left alone spying on Inez and Arturo crying and hugging in the room. And he is left crying alone. And that is Dick Wolf Baby. I hope at least that Arturo just gets like juvie and like then like life begins again for him at 18 or something. Yeah, I hope so too. Or maybe you know? he won't even go since, but if he just threw the rock once, it's the additional beating that fucks him I over. know, but like the kid did, like the kid shoved his face in the dirt. Like, yeah, it could, like one hit could have been like self-defense or something, but the second one, maybe not. Yeah. Honesty is the best policy. Yeah. Thanks for going through that episode. That episode has a lot in it. It definitely goes a lot of different directions. It did feel long. It did feel long. Is that what you're yes. saying? It felt long? Well, <laughs> it was long, but you know what? The the second part's not that long. So it all evens out. We'll be right back and I'll give you the lowdown on what was up.
Listen, we're all SVU fans. We love a family drama. We love a mystery to solve. And you got to get hooked into a story with the details. You need the visuals. You need the storylines with the twists and the turns. And that is what June's Journey has and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young girl on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murderer. Dun, 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 dun. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. The game is filled with all these beautiful detailed scenes from the 20s, like lavish estates and gardens. And of course, little hidden clues are everywhere. There's twists, turns, catchy tunes. It all takes you deep deeper into this storyline. And if you play well enough, you can make it into the detective club. And there you can chat with other players and even compete with or against them, which is pretty exciting. And you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed. And can you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. Okay, love that. And guess what? It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, we are back. And, uh, you know, this week it's not really a crime so much that it's based on, but this episode is very obviously based on Arnold Schwarzenegger, the bodybuilder turned actor, turned governor, turned actor again, who had some uh, scandal. Um, I'll give you some background. In 1986, Arnold Schwarzenegger married a member of the Kennedy family and journalist Maria Shriver, a very beautiful woman. And um, around 2003, Arnold Schwarzenegger, some of you may remember, was elected as the governor of California in a recall election. Now, we just had a vote for a recall. Luckily, we did not recall our governor because when a governor is recalled, Anyone can run and just the person with the most votes wins. So it's like any, like this is when Schwarzenegger sneak in. This is when a Kanye West could sneak in because it's like if enough people, the vote gets split between a million crazies and if one person is famous enough, they will probably win. Like people thought that if there was a recall, Caitlyn Jenner could have won just because of name recognition for her. So, you know, it's, this is how he won the election to become the governor of California. And right around that time, a lot of allegations of sexual misconduct about him started to surface, like him, you know, grabbing women, being inappropriate, like not necessarily full uh, accusations of rape or anything like that, but, you know, grabbing an inappropriate behavior for sure. And um, he admitted to being, quote unquote, rowdy on movie sets or doing things he thought were, quote unquote, playful. But then exactly like what Hillary Clinton did. I'm sorry, I just finished impeachment like a few weeks ago and it's exactly what happened. Hillary Clinton stood by Bill Clinton and said, you don't know him like I know him. This is a good man. And that's exactly what Maria Shriver did. She said, 
I know Arnold, I know who he is, and he was elected in a landslide because she stood by him and fully defended him. And then in 1996, it was discovered that he allegedly engaged, well, not it's not alleged. He In 1996, he engaged in an affair with his housekeeper, Mildred Patricia Baina, who went by Patty. Um, she was a Guatemalan woman who worked for the Schwarzeneggers for 20 years. So like in the episode, it was 15 years, it was 20 years in real life. Apparently, the affair began while the family went on vacation and Arnold stayed behind to shoot a movie. Patty thought she was in love with Arnold, but also said that they were only together a few times. I don't think this was like the way in the episode that it seemed the affair spanned years and years. Like this was just a few times they were together. And it was pretty much on the low until the LA Times broke the story. So the way that it went down was on May 9th, 2011, which is about five months before uh, this episode of SVU came out. After 25 years of marriage, Maria Shriver announces her separation from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Eight days later, on May 17th, Schwarzenegger publicly admitted to fathering a child with Patty 14 years earlier before he was elected governor of California. Um, So basically, he said in a statement to the LA Times, after leaving the governor's office, I told my wife about this event, which occurred over a decade ago. But he completely fails to mention that he didn't just come to his wife and tell her what happened. She confronted him. So basically what happened was the rumors started to swirl because this 13-year-old looks exactly like Schwarzenegger. Like, they look a lot alike. Um, And at first, Maria uh, Shriver would say things to Patty like, I'm here if you need to talk. And like, Patty could just sense something was up, that Maria knew something. And then finally, Maria came to Patty and just asked point blank. Patty broke down crying and confessed. She told Hello Magazine, um, she was so strong. She cried with me and told me to get off my knees. We held each other. And I told her it wasn't Arnie's fault that it takes two. So Patty's very like complimentary of Maria Shriver that she handled it really well. She didn't even fire her right away. She like let her stay till the end of the year or something. And then they had a separation, you know, like a severance. So apparently what I've, I've read a few different uh, articles, but one said obviously that Arnold confessed to Maria Shriver after she confronted him with the information. And I read in one place that that was during a therapy session. So Arnold said, apparently Arnold said in his book, Total Recall, My Unbelievably True Life Story, quote, the minute we sat down, the therapist turned to me and said, Maria wanted to come here today to ask about a child, whether you fathered a child with your housekeeper, Mildred. So that's when he confessed that he had indeed. That's not a confession. That's an admission. An admission. You're right. It is an admission, not a confession. So uh, Shriver described his admission as painful and heartbreaking. And she filed for divorce on July 1st of that same year, citing irreconcilable differences. So the, the baby's name, the kid's name is Joseph. And he himself only found out a year before all this. And his response was, Cool. <laughs> like, he was excited to find out his dad was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, and so, and what's funny is, like, this big interview that Patty gave with Hello Magazine, they're on the cover of Hello Magazine with, like, a thousand pictures of Kate Middleton because that was the zeitgeist at the time. So it's wow. interesting that the episode brought up sort of that obsession with Kate and William. Also, like, this going on with Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, SVU's always got their finger on the pulse. And also, like, yeah, Ella being obsessed with princes and princes, like, that's what was going on. Like, people were waking up at 4 a.m. to watch the fucking royal wedding and all that shit. So this is wild, too. 
Maria Shriver and Arnold Schwarzenegger have four children together. There's the girl who's married to Chris Pratt. There's one who allegedly dated Taylor Swift. And then there's two more. Much like in the episode, Shriver had a son with Arnold who is the exact same age as Joseph. So Patty was working in the house pregnant with Maria Schreiber, pregnant at the same time. They're pregnant with half-brothers, and they were born days apart. Joseph was born October 2nd, and Christopher Schwarzenegger was born September 27th of 1997. These boys were born five, four, five days apart. Wow. Crazy. So... Apparently, Patty never told Arnold that Joseph was his son, but that when the boy was around seven or eight, he started to suspect because, again, the lookalike situation. Wait, I have and, to Google the picture. Are, yeah, well, really if you look obvious? at him now, too, if you look at him now, he's positively jacked. He lifts weights like his dad. He has, like, the same body as his dad. Um, so he looks like the mom, too, but I think there just is a, there is a resemblance. So... Schwartz, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, Schwarzenegger took financial responsibility for the child, fr- uh, he says, quote unquote, from the start and continued to provide support, end quote, without Maria knowing. And it was reported in one outlet that in 2010, he bought a new four bedroom house with a pool for Patty and Joseph in Bakersfield, California. So the main difference between, um, the episode and real life, well, all besides the fact that there was no murder, is that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has embraced this child as his son. Like, he really, like, he's not like Kyle McLaughlin being like, I don't know you. Like, he fully, uh, there's pictures of him at Joseph's graduation. He tags photos of him and, and Joseph on Instagram. Like, he recently, just in October, said, happy birthday. I'm so proud of you. I love you. Like, all this stuff. So they work out together. They lift weights together. They go out to eat. There's all these photos. And so, I mean, him and Maria Shriver got divorced. So it was, you know, unfortunate that the, the I guess their marriage couldn't survive. But uh, he does acknowledge all of his uh, children and is a good dad to this kid. And um, that's that. Unfortunately, yeah, nobody murdered anybody. No, I think it's for, I really, you know, I just Googled because I had to see what Joseph looked like while you were um, talking. And I love their relationship. I'm really proud yeah. of Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, the bar is so low for men where it's like, wow, you've acknowledged your child. Well, you're yeah. a great man. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like this, you know, like who knows if him and Maria Shriver would have stayed together if this didn't happen. I mean, you never know. But um Interesting. It's uh, also funny outcome. that it wasn't a DNA test. There wasn't anything sinister. Literally, was everyone being like, "So this kid looks exactly, exactly like you," <laughs> <laughs> like that. It's kind of comical, and I'm glad it. And I mean, I don't if Maria is sad about that, like about the divorce. I'm sure it was very hurtful and painful. I don't mean to make jokes about it, but it is a pleasant scandal story, a pleasant crime, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of is a much more happy ending than poor Arturo, who just wanted his dad's love and never got it. Joseph got his, got the love, which yeah, is Yeah, got the love. And I think he hangs out with the other siblings. Like, it seems, I'm looking at the photos, that he has, like, a good life. Yeah. And if you are so rich, why, yeah, why do this? Why the secrecy? Yeah, it's like everybody knew. So it's like you either come across as a dick and abandon this child and with like throw a bunch of money at the problem or you actually become part of his life and he chose the latter. And I'm sure Joseph's like, hell yes. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, and he's like he's so jacked. He's like, my dad is an action, the Terminator, like my life rules. But we have an amazing interview. I am so excited about this interview. So let's like not waste any more time and get right to it. <laughs> Guys, I'm so pumped about today's guest. She is nothing short of iconic. You have seen her in everything from Scrubs to Better Things to Devious Maids and my personal favorite, Claws on TNT. But today, you know her as Inez Rivera. We're so thrilled to talk to the one and only Judy Reyes. Oh, Judy, I cannot believe we're talking to you. This is so exciting. Uh, Lisa and I are... Kara is the number one Claws fan in my life. Is that right? Yeah. I am just a big fan. I oh love Claws. I think you're so awesome on Claws. We'll get to my Claws questions, <laughs> but I think we should start with SVU stuff just to be on topic. But... um so, okay, obviously, when we were looking you up and doing our research, we saw on your IMD, according to your IMDb, Law & Order Original Recipe yes. is, like, your first ever gig that yes. you ever got. Yeah. I, I Honestly, when you guys asked me about this, I, I that was the only one I remembered. <laughs> and that's from 92 or something. Yes. That's just like one of my very first gigs. I think it was my first TV gig. Yeah. So th that's how you got into, like, the Dick Wolf universe. Yes. Yes. And as a New Yorker, was that a huge deal? It was a, a huge deal. As a young actress, man, you get like either Sopranos, Law and Order, New York Undercover, um, anything where you like to go on a stand and start crying and shit or testify. <laughs> That's where you went. That was like, I gotta. Oh, we can only dream of crying on the stand. <laughs> what a dream. <laughs> Word. Um, oh, yeah. And you also were on Oz, speaking of like New York shows. I was. And there's tons of SVU Oz crossover. And I got to meet uh, Rita Moreno there for the first oh, time. Oh, amazing. Yeah, no, uh, she's a legend. I mean, she's all over the place now with West Side Story coming back out. It's exciting. You've been acting for so long, but are there people like Rita Moreno that you've gotten really excited to be around? Or people that still kind of shock you? Totally, totally. I'll, I'll tell you this funny story that uh, when I was on Scrubs, I I grew up watching Chips. You know, you guys remember Chips? Yeah, yeah. Are you too young? With Eric Estrada, uh, and he was like, it was like one of the biggest Latino actors on TV, and he's so hot. <laughs> um, and you know how uh, Scrubs is. They, they do this whole campy thing, and they brought him in for a cameo, and I had no idea. And when I got into hair and makeup, he was like there, and I, I completely froze. <laughs> I had no idea what to I was like, oh my God, I got like all, you know, like in sync boy band about it. Yeah. I really got un uncomfortable and nervous, but he was the sweetest guy. And then I did an episode of, of Wait, uh, Wayne Brady uh, and he, I told him this story and he bought me this huge poster of Eric Estrada, his, you know, tidy whiteies <laughs> uh, with no shirt on. Uh, it was hilarious and I have it in my garage to this day. Oh, wow. You never know when you might mm. need that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a conversation piece. So do you remember, like, how this part came about with um, this episode, Blood Brothers, that you did? Like, I'm assuming it was, like, an offer only because at this point you'd been on Scrubs. You'd done so much work. I don't think you're, like, auditioning anymore at that it point. It was, which is why I didn't remember. <laughs> is that a vain thing to say? Because I remember the first one was such a, a huge moment in my life, as you just pointed out, and my first TV gig. And it was to me, a huge role. Like, I got to testify. I got questioned and I got to testify. It was, like, ridiculous. 
Um, so that's what I remember because I was so nervous and terrified. <laughs> and this was like, you know, it was fine. I remembered that actor who was, uh, forgive me, you're going to hear that actor or the one with it, this because I don't remember names. It's awful, but I apologize. Um, the Her partner, Danny. Yeah, Danny, Danny Pino. Pino. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Danny Pino. He's hot yes. too, uh, I assume. Um, hot, yeah. And he was so lovely and nice. She, you know, she was all over the place. She was running in and out. Oh, so very sweet. But one of those people that you're like, there she goes. Yeah. There she is. You know what I mean? <laughs> but he was lovely. And then I remember that that young actor who played my son yeah, was also Arturo. really good. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know that until I watched it this morning. <laughs> so I was like, which one is it? But yeah, he was great. I didn't remember that. And that, uh, see, uh, who the, the father of the kid that my son killed? Kyle McLaughlin. Kyle McLaughlin. Huge. Also, also very An lovely SVU man. An returner. Like, this was a second episode yes. he did as a different character. Yes. And just a divine person. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very lovely. Yeah, no, we've heard that. We, I think we've heard that from our friend that's worked with him, that he's really great. Um, mm-hmm. How is it working with a young child like that with such serious subject matter? Um, It's a... Very well cast is what I think. I had nothing to do with it, but except for like hang with my mouth open at how great this kid was, you know. But yeah, there's always so many really wonderful uh, young actors. So I, I also just watched him work. I was like, oh, damn. He's yeah, really he good. was so good. Like just the mm-hmm. time where the scene where you're like, Arturo, what did you do? Like you guys, if that really Heartbreaking. was like. Heart, like yeah. I'm a mom, and I was like, I can't imagine if I, like, realized at that moment that my son had, or daughter had done something so, you know, yeah. intense. And, like, it was a and really— And that he's, he's Kyle's child. Yeah. You know, that's so dark. Yes. You know, in, in, in so many ways. And to just pull it off, that's someone who, a little kid, I think, just really loves to act. And, you know, you know this podcast, we talk about what the, the true, like, quote-unquote crime that the episode was based on. Obviously, it's not really a crime in this case, but, right. but you know, this was loosely based on the Arnold Schwarzenegger situation. Did you guys, like, talk about that at all? Oh. Or, or did you not realize? Uh-uh. And then they, of course, may have added a murder, but... <laughs> Walk me through it, because I remember the, the Schwarzenegger thing, but... Oh, they added he the just, murder. Okay, just like, did a... somebody kill somebody? <laughs> no, he just had a child with his maid or housekeeper. Yeah. It's not a cliche or anything, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sadly, it's probably based on a lot, a lot of different times that's happened. Yeah. So, also, while I'm, you know, trolling around your IMDb, I see that you have a twin sister... Who has played a paramedic on 19 episodes of SVU? Yeah. Jocelyn? Jocelyn Reyes. Yeah. 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 And she's living in Atlanta now and still working. Amazing. And she's kicking booty. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys do like theater together growing up? Did you do like little sketches at the house? Were you artistic growing up? Because you have another, you have another sibling that's an actor as well, too, right? She was. Oh, was. My youngest sister was. She she doesn't mess with that anymore. <laughs> now she runs the arts department at a university. Oh, wow. You know, because, yeah, in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, we were really hammy, just four of us, an older twin, younger, all four of us. We danced around all the time. Uh, we threw parties all the time, went to parties, all, uh, went to parties. We were part of uh, our local church. My mom was super into the church. I sang in the choir. We participated in talent shows, like, in that way. But I, it was just for fun. I didn't really realize that I wanted to act until I was in college. I had this epiphany at, uh, at one of the church talent shows. 
I went home all high and, and like <gasps> buzzing. And I told my mom, this is what I'm going to do. Because, you know, I was a liberal arts major in, in the college. And that when usually that means that you don't know what the yeah. hell you're going to do with your life. <laughs> but uh, she she thought I was crazy. And I got really pissed because uh, she just yelped my yum. Yeah. And, and I went to school the next day and I just started, uh, I signed up for all the acting classes. And I got the trades and then I took time off school and worked in a restaurant for years. And then I became part of the Labyrinth Theater Company, um, which just changed my life. I just loved being a part of it and doing every single thing that had anything to do with uh, that work and those people. It was amazing. That's awesome. And then you got, and then you got Law and Order. And then I got, <laughs> Law, actually what happened first was I, uh, I was working in that restaurant and that's how I met my manager. I used to, her husband used to get there first all the time. And then they used to sit at a table and it was shortly after, you know, I decided I'm going to do this and I changed my classes and all that stuff. Uh, and then I took some time off. And uh, he, he, I, I always sat him and he just one day started talking to me. He's like, what, what do you do? What do you want to do? I was like, well, I'm going to be an actor. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, really? He goes, you know, my wife is a talent manager. I was like, oh, okay. He goes, I'm going to talk to her about you. And I was like, okay, great. And I didn't pay attention. And then my boss, she goes, uh, and I told her what he just said. She goes, do you know, you know who his wife is, right? I was like, mm, well, I don't know. Um, Jean Fox, who was just one of the biggest um, child uh, kids managers at, at the time. I have no idea who she was. And I was like, I'm too old. I was like, but I play young. And be when her dinner was over, she asked me over and she asked me to come into the office. And then I met her associate, Denise Dunayer, one of the best managers that ever, ever, ever lived. And she's like, I'll take you on on a three-month verbal contract. I got a play and an indie feature back when you could be like completely unknown and do an indie. Yeah. Starring opposite Sam Rockwell. Wow. Ooh, don't mind if I do. So, yeah. So it was the book. It was called Jack and His Friends. Um, and I'd never done a film before. Nothing like that. Uh, I was like freaking out. Just, just kind of like going with yeah. it. Completely clueless. And I got a play in Philly at the same time. So we had actually had to, had to turn down a job to take another one. You know, That's all fancy and shit. Nice problems Very to have. Very exciting, no? Yeah. And uh, and then after I did that was when I came back and I was done and I got yeah. this feet. Uh, and right. do you still enjoy doing theater? Is that a part of your life? I haven't done theater in so long, you know, that if I don't do it soon, I'm going to be too scared. <laughs> because theater is a completely, that's another beast. Yeah. But yeah, I keep thinking about it. It's like, what would I do? I got. I want to go back to the stage. And would you do a musical or play? That's That's my bucket list. Because, um, yeah, I'm a musical theater nerd, um, as is my child. And we're constantly watching it. She just had me watching Newsies yesterday, which I'd never seen. Oh, yeah. And super cute. Super cute. I thought it wasn't my cup of tea. Um, but yes, I would love to do a musical. Well, we're speaking it into the universe on this podcast. Hopefully someone hears and is like, we're doing a new <laughs> musical. We need Judy. Do you watch SVU at all? Yes, I haven't watched it in years. Okay. I gotta be honest, but I do catch it when it's yeah. on. I'm like, I mean, me how watch. can you not? It's on mm -hmm. like ten channels at all times. But if you were to return, let's say they call you like uh -huh. next week, they're like, we're, "We're we want you back." What what would be like a, a role you'd want to play? 
Like, I'm sure you've played cops before. You've played a nurse before. You've played all different kinds of roles. Like, what? Yes. What would you want to play on SVU again? Or for the first time, I mean. Some kind of a a vigilante who gets uh, blamed for something that's not their fault. You know, like somebody like... um, uh, young Lords or Black Panther, like a political activist. Yeah, I could definitely see you heading up a political activist group. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the rap for something. I mean, I was watching it this morning and, you know, there's so, there's so much said in that episode, you know, social class and rape and the idea of that that's her prince and a best friend defending her, her friend. And you know what I yeah. mean? And, and the partner who's like, you know, really pursuing it for good or for bad or for what? Or to find out, you know, and that kid who just wanted to, you know, packed into an hour. It's really ballsy. Yeah. No, everybody (laughs) always says like, you know, to quote, everyone always says it's a well-oiled machine. And it's like, it has to be because they really get, Mm -hmm. they pack a lot into really 45 minutes with commercials, you know. Um, So much action. Another show that Kara and I both really love is Better Things. Um, if you just have any stories or anything about being on that set, because that was another like heavy women episodes, you know, like with all the friends. Yes, totally. And that's uh, Pamela Adlon is uh, a powerhouse, a phenom, a hard, hardworking, kind, smart, bold, daring, generous woman. And this is like very much based on her life and who she yeah. is. She writes them all. She stars in them all. She produces and she directs it. I don't know how she does it, but she's just a magnet for that kind of people. And she's so pro-woman, so pro uh, everything that that represents like a positive change. Um, but yeah, I worked on the season finale and they, they ran really, really late and they were going to go. And she just sent us all presents and and was just so warm, you know, and and like a true leader, inspiring. Everybody's like really happy to be there. Yeah. It was the season finale, the series finale, but we'll see, you know. Yeah. So I was on uh, all of us, you know, all these great recurring characters were all yeah. in the in the last couple of episodes. And it was just fun to, you know, see each other in person. You know, that's you know, what's so funny. That's a show that I can watch, even though I'm well, in there's it. no other you show know? like that show. Do you judge people that do watch themselves? <laughs> um, no. Okay. I I I appreciate it. I know what it, I you know. It's just all kinds. Of, it's just not for me. I can do it better now. Though, yeah. Because, you know, if I'm honest, uh huh. I used to. Okay. But now that I can do it better, like I get it. You know. But yeah. Thank you for exposing. Me. <laughs> <laughs> so fucked up. It's like therapy in here. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, though, that Better Things is, like, a, such a singular show. There's no other show like it on television. Like, no, there's nothing like it. But I would say the same thing about Claws. I mean, Claws is the most gonzo show. <laughs> what are you most recognized from when people, like, recognize you on the street and stuff? Is it Scrubs? Or, like, what are they normally? I get people now uh, say, you got me through medical school. Uh, I became a nurse because of this show. When I'm down, it's what I watch. And uh, I, I couldn't, I didn't really appreciate it because it was, again, I had nothing to compare it to. It was my first, and it was absolutely magical. You know what I mean? Everything about it. Um, but now I appreciate it because people are saying that to me. Um, when I'm overseas, it's nothing but devious maids. Huh. It's all devious maids all the time. Latin America just absolutely wow. goes berserk. And they can't understand. I don't know if you've ever watched or familiar. I'm familiar with it. I mean, I know Eva Longoria and, and um Yeah. Anna Ortiz. Ortiz. Yeah. Yeah. 
But uh, uh, it's Mark Cherry who did uh, created Desperate mm. Housewives with Eva. Um, but we ended the fourth season uh, on a cliffhanger, and then we never came back. So the, the, when we do run into the fans, uh, they're like, Germany is another place where they just go ballistic. They're like, what did you do? You left it like hanging. What's going to happen? When is there going to be a reunion and stuff? And that's something that like uh, completely takes me by surprise. And a lot of like Latin people like um, Devious Maids. Um, and now in these days of succession, yeah. not so much claws because I think they look so you different. You look so different in claws. Like, I mean, yeah. well, so can I ask you about that? So like Quiet Anne is this character you play on the show. Such a different character for you. I obviously, I, I'm sorry to say I haven't seen your entire body of work, but like I'm very familiar mm-hmm. with a lot of other stuff you've done. This is such a different character. Like, was like was she written just like that, or are there are there like pieces of her that you've added, or like I mean she's a very interesting character, and that she's friends with this whole crew. Like it's really, I'm obsessed with Quiet Anne. <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I I had just you know I I hired a new team. I just cleaned house and I got this new manager, and I was working on one day at a time with my dear friends Justina Machado and Gloria Calderon Kellett who's the creator and she used to write on Devious Maids and uh I was part of a support group that Justina Machado was and I, I and he sends me this I was like this is a lesbian nobody's gonna in these this day and age nobody's gonna hire me I'm not gonna get this job he goes well they can't find her so just go ahead and give it a shot and I read it and I just like Oh my God, I love this script so much. I love her so much. But physically, she was like a, maybe like a five foot 10 Samoan woman who was like, you oh, know. bigger. Yeah. So I just had to go completely the other way. And I hired, uh, I worked with my acting coach, who's, uh, amazing. And, uh, we, we, we talked about making that choice, right? And so we, in the audition scene, there, I had a lot to say, but in the pilot script, I didn't say much at all which was exciting to me. And uh, I went in, I, I pulled my hair back, T-shirt, no makeup. And uh, I based it on, I think I was just talking about this the other day. Uh, my One of my first jobs when I was a kid in the Bronx on Jerome Avenue was I was a cashier in a, in a, in a discount store. It's like a dollar store back in the day. And Sophie it was this really short, squat, thick-looking uh, Eastern European woman. And her right hand was this tiny little woman, smaller than me, thin, 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 lesbian named Yolanda. We call her Yoli. And she was her right hand. And she was like, you know, sweet and hardworking and understood Sophie, who was a real piece of work, right? She was a complete bitch. But Yolanda handled it. And I just loved her. And when I look back, I was like, I think I had a crush on this girl. (laughs) Um, but she was flirty with all of us because all the, all the girls were the ones who were the cashiers and stuff. So I just kind of pulled that and, uh, and went for it. And I don't think that they couldn't make up their mind because I think I, I went in like five times. But when we did the table read and I had like a word here, a word there, and we all connected, we had this chemistry. It was, it was over. And I was very excited. I mean, all the time I would get because of the success of, um, scrubs uh who was like the sassy nurse it would be like it was like a sassy attorney a sassy cop (laughs) sassy this sassy that and it was you know frustrating but to have something like to really uh, create a character and completely like start changing people's minds was exciting for me and exciting to play 
Well, you mentioned this earlier. I've ju- it's just in my head. Um, you said your daughter really loves musical theater. I was wondering if you kind of encourage that or you're like, please don't do this lifestyle. A hundred percent I encouraged it. But like, you know, I, I took her to see a Lion King when she was four. And and then it was over. Have you guys seen the Lion I have that as a kid in Chicago. So not on Broadway, oh. but the touring company. And it was exciting. The, I mean, first we saw the movie and then she just, everything was Lion King in her room. Lion King this, Lion King yeah. that, Lion King. And then when we're in New York, I went, my in-laws living there at, at the time, we went to see it and she was just um, crying like those, you know, those little TikTok gifs with kids going crazy. <laughs> she was like, oh my God. And I was so happy. Because that's our that's our yeah. thing. That's our thing. And so every time we went back east, we'd take her to see a show. I took her to see Wicked. And I've seen, that was my third time seeing Wicked. Okay. I don't know if you've yes, seen I that. Love, we love Wicked. We, we, are, okay. we love okay. Wicked. Okay. <laughs> okay. So at the end of the first act, when yeah. Dina Menzel sings yeah. that song, and she's like, she's, she's like, no, that's how you end the first act. <laughs> um, okay, wait. So we hear that you love the Real Housewives. Everybody knows we're huge Real Housewives fans. Do you have a favorite franchise? What's your vibe? Um, I uh, Jersey and LA okay. for sure. Atlanta though, yo. Atlanta, Atlanta brings it. They turn. Atlanta brings it for days. Yo, the bolo. The they are. The bolo episode was just like <laughs> one of the greatest hours of television. Oh my God. I mean, what's going to top uh, Jersey Housewives and she flips the table over? Nothing. That's what I kind of like set it in stone and created uh, this world where everybody needed a moment like yes, that. Yeah, someone, to it's like everyone's trying to now always heighten it, like throwing a prosthetic leg. Like, you know, it's like now we're always <laughs> trying to do something that is like going to beat the table flip, you know? And, like, you live in Los Angeles, but don't you love how this is the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and they all live in Encino? Like, not, not a single one lives in Beverly Hills. They live in Studio City. Ever? Not, they no, did no, ev- Vanderpump originally. did. Vanderpump did. But, yeah. like, the ones now, they're doing these shots of Beverly yeah. Hills signs and then they're going right to their houses, like, drone shots. I'm like, that's Pasadena. But. <laughs> <laughs> Are you from California? Because you know that. No, no, no. I'm from New York. I'm from on. the East Coast. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm from the Chicago I, could, I, I suburbs, would never tell. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, li- I live, we yeah. both lived in New York and I eventually will go back yeah. to New York. I really, yeah. that's where I am happiest. Um, I like the bodegas 24 hours. I like late night dinners. I like uh, running around doing shows all night. I just enjoy the vibe a little more. The vibe is so completely different and, and it remains unchanged. But it, I smoke uh, like too much weed here. I'm just like stoned and Yo. slow and dry. <laughs> like... <laughs> I barely am able to park. I don't know. That's kind of... I don't drive, which is probably why I'm always on. (laughs) (laughs) Judy Stoner Queen. (laughs) She's so cool. I want to hang out with her. I love her. She is so cool. And this didn't make the cut, but the bitch is bi-coastal, honey. Yes. She's killing it. She's honestly like what a a career mirror. That would be an incredible, you know. Yeah, and she's got place. she also has a hero. A, and I what is it called? Someone you look up to. What is that? A hero? A role model? Yeah, but that's so aggressive. A role, a role model? model? A role model. Hero seems like, you know, 
a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> not that Judy's not incredible. And we but. have to like, obviously we have to, we sort of cut a little bit out of our interviews, but we wanted you to know about upcoming projects that Judy has coming up. She has a movie called Something's Wrong with Rose coming out. She's also in the next season of Batwoman. And she is working on a documentary about freestyle music, which is really interesting. And I knew nothing about it until she told me. So keep an eye, follow Judy on the socials and keep an eye on all her projects. Quick postmortem. I mean, what do we learn about this that we haven't learned every fucking week? Rich people are nightmares. Uh, treat, <laughs> like, treat people well. I, I will say, I never thought I would learn, like, a good lesson from Arnold Schwarzenegger, which was like, yeah, you made a mistake, own it. Like, take responsibility. And he did. Like, he... No, he did not make a mistake. He made a child. Right, right. But you know what I mean? Like, so many... Men run away on their children that happen when they're in a relationship, let alone yes. ones that they have extramaritally. So, like, for the fact that he... Granted, he did not confess. He was cornered. But once he <laughs> found out that, you know, like he was basically busted, he has a relationship with this guy. And this kid could literally be walking around being like, I have this famous dad that won't acknowledge me. Like, yeah. And that happens a lot. I won't mention specifically, but there is a comedian in New York City who has a famous dad that won't acknowledge her. And it's rough. It's rough to watch. Yeah, you're honestly like saving the world from like a killer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it yeah. it fucks you up when you're rejected by your parents. Right. It really um, hurts. So Yeah, and now he's just like a good. cutie little weightlifter that goes out and gets smoothies with his dad. I mean... I don't think he'd like to be called little. He is a weightlifter. Well, that's true. <laughs> he's huge. He could probably kill me, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I like to say cutie little weightlifter about him. Um, yeah, huge guy. I'll always remember Michelle Buteau has a joke in her hour where... Her husband's like, wait, do I have to take care of the kids today? And she goes, forever, <laughs> for life. What yeah. are you talking about today? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. If you are straight and you're jizzing in someone, you got to take care of your kid. Yeah. That's what I believe in. Also, I will. I liked what you said too about Ooh. like money ruins people. Like you should behave, like you should honestly treat your kids like they don't have money, even if you guys are drowning in money because like it just, I have so many friends who I feel like are paralyzed by their wealth. Like they just have like had failure to launch because they've had complete, you know, financial freedom. And it's like, you just got to, I don't know. Yeah, because I never had in. financial freedom, but I had no rules or chores. And there's a failure to launch, for sure. <laughs> when your mom doesn't make you make the bed, I can't you're not going to learn parents never gave you chores. Was that the same for your sister or just you because you're the little baby? No, my mom's whole thing is like, I work so hard. Why would... I don't want you to work hard. You have your whole life to work hard. Huh. Her thing was... I mean, she... She had a kid very young and she worked like nights at a factory, you know, like yeah. my mom was working since she was 16 um, in a fucking, I, I only know the Russian words for these things, but like in fucking factories her whole life. And yeah. That's why she's had hip replacements and like she's just uh, was. And so when she had kids, it was this thing of like. I don't want you to do anything. Well, that's so funny because my mom is one of 14 kids and like worked her whole life and it was like, you learn how to make a bed and you learn how to make it this way. And if you're not going to make it this way, then you're not going to do it at all. Like everything <laughs> is like very, because like for her, it's like she didn't want us to get anything easier than she had it. She's very, we walked, we had one outfit, we walked to school, blah, blah, blah. Like she's very that, you know? Well, it's also a gender thing. And my sister was like, I don't want to repeat this with my family, but she remembers my dad and me and my sister would go out and have fun with my dad while my mom cleaned the whole house. 
Oh my gosh. And she didn't have fun with us. And so my sister goes, I will never not have fun with my children to fucking clean. I don't give a shit. Yeah. So she totally rebelled and wants to like hang out. My mom still is always like, oh, her house. It's just so dirty. What have I done? <laughs> you know, she's just like so upset. And I'm like, yeah, her kids like her. But her I don't, kids are okay. so happy and spend time with her and like her. Like, it's so funny. Yeah. Um, but my dad, but like in terms of money, my mom had nothing. So she wants to spoil me. But my dad wants to save everything and don't spend anything. And we need to be ready for the war. And so I understand like the split off of like, I did this, you have to do it. But my mom's whole thing is like, I just want my kids to chill because you're going to have to struggle forever. And like, while I'm alive, why would I make you do that? But yeah. I blame her all the time. I go, I don't know how to do anything. I'm like, I truly am... Uh, paralyzed with anxiety and panic anytime I have to declutter anything. So, I don't know. No matter what you do, you're screwing up your kids and giving them good and bad things and whatever. Why are we talking about parenting? Let's move No, on. I mean, because the episode's <laughs> called Blood Brothers. It's literally about that. Oh, but, my God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and that must be hard, too, if you have, like, if your parents just fully ignore you, like, on all of you, but, like, if your parents pick some of you and not the other, that's... Mm. Yeah, that's hard. Have yeah. you seen the movie I Love You, Philip Morris? I've seen pieces of it, not the whole thing. I fell asleep to it a few nights ago. Don't ask me why. But yeah, he was like the middle child, but was given up for adoption. But they kept the rest of the kids. And that's crazy. <laughs> um, but let's move on to What Would Sister Peg Do? Which is our weekly segment where we give you guys an organization, an article, a book, something that can sort of flesh out a little bit more about what we talked um, about on today's episode. And... You know, this week we sort of talked about families and having babies and little Ella, whether she's going to give up her baby or not. And, you know, we're obviously very pro-abortion if that's what you want. But we wanted to, this week, highlight the North American Council on Adoptable Children, which is um, uh, NACAC.org. And uh, their work is to ensure that children in foster care have permanent loving families and adoptive families have support that they need. They promote um, adoption from foster care they also educate child welfare professionals from their training webinars and conferences to empower parent and youth leaders to create and enhance advocacy support groups. So if you're interested in learning more about that, we just thought this was a cool organization to bring up. Um, and it's NACAC.org, as always, in our highlights on our Instagram page. Our WWSPD highlight has all the organizations we've ever called out. Thank you so much for that important work. And I do want to give Karen an extra shout out that she alone finds these. <laughs> You're in charge of Sister Pegs. I think we, you know, we try to share the workload in different ways, but, you know, you are finding these organizations. So thank you. It's funny that you're shouting me out today because I do find these organizations, but today Annalise found this organization. So <laughs> it, I, thank you. Like all 50, like seven episodes have been me and then this one Annalise found. So uh, okay. thank you. But yes, we I do like uh, this part of our podcast where we get to shine a little light. And I hope you guys, I hope one of the, I hope you don't just turn it off after the interview. Like, I hope you are listening here. Um, and I hope uh, one of these one time struck you in a way that you got involved in something. It is, it's fucked up. We need to do this. But, you know, my my personal, Stacia, I have not gone in a bit. I have an injured knee, whatever. Um, but her... Um, cleaning lady had to escape a I domestic saw. violence situation. And within two days, uh, on a GoFundMe, over nine grand 
Amazing. And I looked through the donations and it was like a 25, a 20, a 50. It right. Was no, no one was giving thousands of dollars and it's just like little tiny bits and this woman and her children can now escape an abusive situation. So right. it is, um, you know, you don't have to have a lot. And if any of these organizations ever do make you feel something, 20 bucks yeah, can make a exactly. difference. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Thank you for pointing that out. Um, and obviously, we'll be back next week, honey. Uh, producers back end. We got a season 16, episode three. And a listener just wrote us a few days ago asking if this was on the docket. So oh, you great. guys are in line with us. This is the next one. Hell yes. And yeah, Hulu, Peacock. I can't keep saying the same thing. You fucking know, okay? <laughs> yeah. You know how to find pe- television. You know where to find it. It's on, uh, I, I just, somebody just posted that like 10 seasons are on Amazon Prime. So if that's where you get your shit. There's a bunch on Amazon Prime, too. It is wild. I was talking to someone yesterday, and they're like, oh, a podcast, what's it about? And I'm telling them, and I was like, oh, yeah, I would go, these are the most scary crimes, and I'll tell you this. And he goes, I don't want to hear this. He's <laughs> like, I'm having a fun night out. I don't know why you're trying to tell me about people trapped in a basement for decades, but... He doesn't seem like the kind of person we want to hang out with, I guess. Yeah. And then I gave him the whole, whatever, bye. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys next week. Bye-bye. Up is an exactly right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at thatsmesseduppod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at thatsmessedupppod and on Twitter at messeduppod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to our producer, Annalise Nelson. And to our mixing engineer, Ryo Baum. And to Henry Kapersky for our theme song. And to Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thank you to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everyone at Exactly Right Media. Listen, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dun-dun! dun dun